And we're back. I'm James. This is the Goose Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And I'm James. And I'm Kyle. All right. We had Luke 2 last week, and now we got Kyle. Well, I guess Kyle was on before other Kyle, so I don't know if this is Kyle 1.0 or 2.0 or like what the... You know, I was your sample system. Kyle, but not Kyle sample. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. We'll take it. Oh, we'll wow. take it. <laughs> All <perfect>. right. <laughs> All right. We'll get more to Kyle in a second here. J-Man, uh, what's up? Nothing. You're sitting here playing Retro Bowl instead of uh, hanging out with the yeah. pod, aren't you? You're loyal listeners, James. Yeah. Sir. Um, uh, rough weekend, huh? Yeah. Did anything positive happen this weekend? Mm, the Yankees won. I know, which, One which game. we tweeted out that they weren't going to, so we're just getting things wrong right and left here at the Grizz Fan Pod. Um, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Where should we start? First of all, we probably need to give an update on our football season, right? And we lost our final game. Missed the playoffs. It's all yeah, right. That's the way it goes. There's room to grow, right? What was your highlight of the football season this year? Probably the pick six. I agree. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the Grizz game? What do you think of that? Terrible offense. <laughs> it was frustrating. It was a tough one. Yeah. It was a tough one, right? Yeah. James wanted to leave early, but we we don't leave early, so mm. we stayed. Yeah, I felt that too, James. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people did. Probably even some of the people listening right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want? To, stop playing with the computer. <laughs> Um, do we have any questions for James? I'm just trying to get those pulled up right now. I thought we had some. What are you, uh, yeah, what are you doing at school second. this week on Wednesday? Jogathon. To, to raise money. Yeah. Oh. So the school, the PTA, who my wife is, is on the PTA board, so I should speak quietly because she's in the kitchen. Um, they do a jogathon, and it's there's this all electronic fundraising, and I got a. I got an email from James asking for money last week. Oh. Huh? <laughs> it's like, dear dad. Wait till you get Venmo requests. I know. <laughs> He's not very many years away we've, from that. We've entered a new era. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell us about, bud? I did not send that. Oh, you did, and oh, I donated. Yeah. So I don't See? Talk to your mom. Good persuasive probably email, buddy. It. Good mom job. I probably donated it. Or I send it the email. Interesting. Maybe yeah. I should take my donation back. Oh, well, yeah. Take it back. Get a refund. Uh, James, we did have a question for you. You. Okay. How's your fantasy football team doing? I know no one cares about anyone's fantasy football teams. It's okay. good. Okay. Are you winning this week? Because the rest of us are losing. Losing. Yeah, I'm yeah. winning by like 50. Yeah. All right. I'm better than you, gosh. Okay, James. <laughs> I'm 5-1. and one. Whoa. Buddy, you Whoa. Love this well, okay, well. I could be 5-1, and one, except there's like a 1% chance my opponent wins. There you go. Well, so, speaking of which. Okay, James, this is a hypothetical scenario for you. Uh, you lead your fantasy football opponent by one point with only one game still being played. It's the 49ers, and they trail by two with eight seconds left. Robbie Gold is lining up to kick a 49-yarder for the win. The only problem is your fantasy football opponent has Robbie Gold in his lineup. So if he makes the kick, you lose your fantasy game. But the 49ers win. And that is what happened on Monday Night Football when 49ers played the Rams. Is that what happened? Yeah, because my opponent had Debo Samuel, and I had George Kittle and Cooper Cup and okay. Cam Ankers. Okay. 
And so, he also had James Robbie Gold. I was about to say, what a team. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, so in that situation, James, well, do you want Robbie Gold like to make the kick and the Niners win and you lose your fantasy matchup, or do you want him to miss it? Niners win. Well, good choice. <laughs> Luke appreciates that answer, too. There may come a time where you are weighing, like, what does the win mean in the larger season versus what does the fantasy football win mean? You run into some of those yeah. things where it's like, all right, yeah, you know, so-and-so can uh, have a couple touchdowns as long as they still lose the game or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, let them score yeah, a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else, Bubba? No. All right. Okay, hey, quick one from you. Thanks for joining us. Have fun. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> See you, dude. <laughs> I'd say good luck in fantasy, but it sounds like you're going to roll. It, James, who's on your fantasy team? Who, just give me a quick rundown of your, your main guys. Starting quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, okay, keep going. <laughs> um, Are you playing against your golden retrievers? How do you, how do you have this so many good? So okay, so Pat, so Pat Mahomes, who's your yeah. who's your running backs? My running backs right now that for the next week are AJ Dillon and Nick Chubb. Oh, okay. Nick Chubb. Wide receivers: Cooper Cup and Gabe Davis. Then tight end: George Kittle, flex: Michael Pittman. Defense Packers Oof. and kicker, Sorry. kicker Daniel Carlson. Okay, okay. probably find a better Legend. defense in the Packers. I have the so Bengals on the it, other it side. It might shock. We've kind of talked about this in the pod already, but it might shock the listeners to know that James did a lot more research and preparing for his fantasy football draft I than did, most of and the I other fourth players that are in the league. Shocking! Shocking! <laughs> All right, thanks, bud. Holy crap, guys. Um, right. Well, wait. Let's just hop right into it. Uh, Sac State this coming week. Let's scout Sac and just get the hell out of here. UFC huh? 280 is this yeah, Saturday. Right, yeah. uh, um, 8 a.m. start in Abu Dhabi. Looking forward to it. Oh, so. yeah. Um, James pointed out he doesn't have, we need to make his big sky picks real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. Uh, so you want to do, do your that. picks? I heard Sac State. Yeah. It was a joke. We'll okay. Um, see predictions later. Uh, James, okay, wait a minute. All right. I got to hop ahead of the right week. Okay. Um, should we keep the trend rolling? Should I hit you with a, with a real easy one first? Yeah. Two and five NAU goes to one and six Idaho State. Oh, great. <laughs> Wait, they won? Oh, yeah, they beat they Cal Poly. Uh, Idaho State beat Cal Poly, yeah. A lot of people picked Cal Poly to win that. Yeah. I yeah. picked Idaho State to win that, right? Yeah. I think so. Um, NAU. NAU, Okay. Um, it's the Battle of the Domes. It is. Uh, let's see. UC Davis goes to Northern Colorado. UC Davis. Okay. Eastern Washington goes to Cal Poly. One in five Eastern Washington. Eastern. Also one in five Cal Poly. Uh, uh, let's see. Portland State goes to Idaho. Idaho. All right. Weber State goes to Montana State. Hmm. In normal weeks, that might be the game of the week. The first time it I might made. Be the game of the week anyway, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the first time, I'm not picking Montana State. Okay. Weber, Weber State. Finally, Grizz mm-hmm. at Sacramento. Great. Late night game. 9 the Grizz PM. cannot beat Sac in Sac on the late games. It feels like. Yeah, they've had a hard time. Yeah, they've had a hard time with Sack in general and night games. Yeah. 
Because at the start of the year, I said that they would lose to SAC, and if they play like they did against Idaho, SAC is going to destroy them. Yeah, 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 you're right. Like what they did two it years ago, 22 so to 49. so much more dire coming from a voice of prepubescent man. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds sad. Uh, well, <laughs> the world's coming to a close. Yeah, this is it. So it's over. Gotta put your pick out there. Sack state. Okay. All right. That's fair. All That's right. fair. Thanks, buddy. All right, dude. Um. Well, I think we should do from the start what the coaching staff and players didn't do, which is put some respect on Idaho's name. 100%. Like, like I mean, like, they did such a good job executing a successful game plan, um, dialing up a good recipe to be, you know, a yeah. favorite. You know, you, yeah. could, you can tell when, when Bobby is coaching against one of his buddies, guys that he likes and respects, and right. maybe guys that he doesn't. And this definitely fell into the guys he doesn't. Like, they clearly didn't think Idaho was good. And they found out otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. At least that's the way it came off. I don't know. You go to all the press conferences. You all, I mean, so you might have a different take. But it didn't seem like they thought that Idaho could do this to them. It was odd. I mean, it, it, you know, like at the press conference last Monday, I asked Bobby about Jason Eck because he's the story of the Vandal program right now. Sure. You know, like you guys all know talking to the Big Sky Conference uh, Network and – Seeing their fans and it's just like there was just no energy around Idaho when Paul Petrino was there, right. like to put it mildly. <laughs> and it like now that X there, everybody was like super excited about the hire. Obviously, he had a lot of success coming from South Dakota State, coming from a program like that. And I asked him about it, and he just said he never really he didn't know much about Jason Eck, hadn't like crossed paths with him, is what he said. Yeah. And it just felt kind of odd because it's like, well, he was at South Dakota State. They're really good. They were a semifinal team a year ago, and that was kind of the extent of it. You know, it was kind of the same press conference quotes that we got when asking about Idaho. So those are sometimes hard to read into. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. One thing real quick before we go too far down this road, we didn't actually let you introduce yourself. Oh. So for some people who might not know who Kyle Hansen is, Kyle, who are you? Good to be back. Uh, I am <laughs> good to have you in person. I'm the sample Kyle. And uh, good, to be, good to be in person, yeah. first of all. Yeah, like we're, that's we're a really exciting interview. thing. Yes, yeah. I just, I was at... Uh, Shout out Brandon and Bailey Fur. Start this right off, right, Luke? Yeah, and, Brandon, uh, boots with the fur. Yeah, boots with the fur. <laughs> uh, at his wedding this summer, and Luke and I were both there, and we were talking about it and laughing about it because I was just like, when first of all, I was bad the first time I was on this podcast, but no sports and Zoom probably didn't help, I would hope, unless I really was that bad. But um, yeah, no, uh, it's super awesome to be back. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, I've been getting a chance to do the sidelines this year for some of the conference games, which has been a new experience and a lot of fun. And um, getting to work with the team a little bit differently in some capacity, and uh, I mean, fascinating year. Even though the, the fact that they lost, I mean, they're still five and one, and still, you know, things could go well, things could go poorly, but it's been a fun year. So, and just happy to be here and see you guys. And so. and fans might recognize the voice because they now see you on the sidelines for conference TV games. Yes, yeah. super fun, super super fun. Was like probably white in the face, like like a ghost when I found out I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, because for for those who don't know, you guys do, but like I used to be in newspapers. <laughs> so yeah, all, you just keep finding ways more and more in front of a camera. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which like taking that leap at the first point, I was like, oh, is this really what you want to do? And then I was like, well, yeah, I can make it work, but there's no way I'll be like on sidelines or doing things like this. And then lo and behold, here we are, which has yeah. been a, a, a ton of fun. Great opportunity. I always thought if I got into a moment 
on the sideline where I didn't know what to say, or you were, you got yourself just a little nervous, and they're like, and down to Kyle, and then instead of freezing and having like one of those boom goes the dynamite moments, you just mouth words and <laughs> pretend there's an audio issue, you know, like you can hear the crowd, but not me. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah. microphone, yeah. I got nothing. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. Hey, uh, boom goes the dynamite moment is just something I want so bad. <laughs> just, like, do you, do you want a boom goes the dynamite, or do you want like a Nick Saban like? I'm not going to answer, so quit asking. You know, boom like, goes the dynamite goes for dynamite. sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so your 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 technical day job is you're the sports director at KX, yes. right? Yep. All right. Yep. And how long have you been there now? Uh, believe it or not, a little over three years. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Which is longer than you were at the Missoula. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, I've been in Missoula for almost exactly four years. Yeah. Okay. I think it was October 23rd, 2018 is when I moved here. Um, cause that was the first day at Missoulian for me. And then I was there for a little under a year cause I jumped to KPAX right at the beginning of October in 2019 yep. nice. and been there for yeah, a little over three you years. You did basketball for the Missoulian? I it? did. Yep. Yeah. And then were you in Billings before that? I was. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was a Billings Gazette for a little over two years. Okay. So okay. hard to believe. Yeah. This Given was... people your background. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from Billings originally went to the university of Arizona for school. Hmm. Um, came back to Billings after college and did, uh, newspapers and, it's, it blows my mind thinking that this is technically entering year seven of journalism in Montana for me, yeah. which is trippy. You know, <laughs> you know, life life goes faster than you think. Yes. Like seeing kids that I covered are in my first year in Billings who are now married with kids. Like it used yep. to be people kids I went to school with. Yep. Now it's kids I covered. Yep. And soon it'll be college kids I covered, you know, like Grizz yeah. players and things like that. Like Brady or yeah, Brady Gustafson was on the sidelines yesterday and uh, we were the same age in Billings. He's married, you know what okay, I mean? Okay, yeah. you know, right I've yeah. watched him playing football for the Grizz and things like that. We didn't know each other, but like I knew who he was. And so then same thing. It's like, it, it's it's crazy. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a, been a fun trip for sure. Did you did you get to gloat to Sean Rainey that he did the sidelines in the 115, 120 degree field temps and you get the nice, cool, comfortable fall days? No, I didn't. And I maybe it was a missed opportunity because he has he has suits and I don't. Like yeah. I've just been wearing a polo on the sideline. He was really stoked about wearing some suits, and but he didn't get to because you know the earth was so on fire. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's a good good question. But I just maybe I should ask him to borrow some of these suits because you know we we're, we're, we're rocking the MTN polos, nice and go. simple, my kind of, and we've been able to. Thankfully, the weather's been nice. So yeah, mm-hmm. nice, nice, but super fun, cool. All right. Well, we're happy to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks, good thanks to be here. Thanks, on, I, seriously, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. I just I thought, thanks for having me again. It was a it was a blast a couple of years ago, and just excited to do it in person. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to get you to be able to introduce yourself. Oh, real quick, how can people find you on Twitter? What's your handle? Uh, Twitter is at khansen four hundred six. Any other places people should find you? MontanaSports.com is our main content website, and then uh, Instagram, same handle. Venmo, same handle. <laughs> uh, same thing like that. Facebook, all that good stuff. So that is awesome. Just, we got to start working that. Just in a, just yeah. a, you never know. At, at GFB on Venmo, you're right? You know, right. if you want to buy some beer, right? <laughs> that's how other people do it. Yeah, right, and then so, K packs, all that good stuff. So. Awesome. Um, wanted to get wanted to get that out of the way before we get sure, too far into totally. the weeds of what was a depressing thing. And you know, one thing that yeah. often happens after losses on this podcast is it becomes a very therapeutical session. I'm not feeling that's going to happen to me tonight. I'm in a dark place, guys. So <laughs> let's just talk about the game a little bit. Luckily, being a professional interviewer, I'm also a great listener. 
So whatever you need, Actually, I'm yeah. here for you. And my hope is to be the Marty Morning League of this group and bring some juice to this, as he always says. That's so amazing. I'm here to the, the goal coming in after I saw that tweet was like, all right, let's see if we can let's see, let's see what let's see what we can spin here. Yep. So jazz it up a little bit. Um, That's why we brought Monster Energy. So you know what was what was interesting is going to the game. Like there's obviously a whole subsection that thought that the Grizz were going to kill him because they, they thought you know rightfully so kind of reading body Bobby a little bit that. Yeah. They were feeling good about it. Because, like, one thing I will say in, like, things like QB Club and stuff, like, you never really hear them talk about coaches or programs in any sort of boisterous way unless they're very confident that they're going to win. And whenever he's done it, Brent, you probably could say this more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. they've never not won. So, yeah. like, this was a weird dynamic this week. I mean, yeah, it definitely felt like there was there was just pretty solid confidence that this was going to be a much easier contest um, than it turned out to be, obviously. And... Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know. You kind of have to assume it showed on the field a little bit too. So it it and honestly, you could go back to that Idaho State game, and I mean that was kind of that occurred there as well too. You yeah. know, and a little bit where I think it kind of felt like again it was a sloppy game, and so execution errors and just like a lot of confusing stuff, and um, maybe just didn't take the opponent as seriously as should have. Just and it carried forward, which is really surprising um because it's not a typical trait that we see from this coaching staff at least we hadn't previously um so it's it's disappointing and they're gonna they're gonna say all the right things like no we weren't overlooking them sure but luke i mean they were i mean something happened on saturday (laughs) well coming out of a bye when you come out flat to me it assumes like a level of confidence or arrogance Mm -hmm. that you didn't prepare enough you didn't take it seriously enough right and you thought you could just show up and be better than them at every phase of the game because you've got better athletes better scheme better everything yeah right but like if if um can walk into like u-dub and upset even the, kind of a crap, what turned out to be kind of a crappy Still, FBS team. Even though Pac-12 yeah. school. Right, yeah, Pac-12 yeah. school. Like, what makes, I, don't, I, I still can't imagine getting into the headspace where you just assume you're going to beat a conference opponent. Right, like anyone can beat anyone on any given day. It's why we play the game, right? <laughs> but it just didn't feel like. <laughs> um, they, they are who they, they thought they were. Denny Green. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, they, the but they didn't have any, uh, I don't know, attention to detail. Like they, they just seemed a little haphazard. Well, and like, and that's the thing is like that's how they played the Idaho State game. And so the like the thing is is like if they got surprised, like if they would have just beat the hell out of Idaho State and they got surprised by Idaho, it'd be like a oh. The writing wasn't on the wall. But as you watch the game, it's like the same things were happening. Like the yeah. offense, super inconsistent. And then it was more kickoff errors, more special teams errors, more def- more defense getting beat vertically yeah. in the slot. And it's just That's like strange. the same things were happening over and over. Poddog is introducing himself to Kyle. And um, Poddog Jr., who is very needy, is like weaseling his way in. So the background noise it's you hear heavy is... Heavy breathing you know, from dogs. It's me breathing. Yeah. Telling you dogs. <laughs> Okay. So, um, Luke, I mean, good point about kind of the flatness in the bye week. And, and Kyle, I mean, I know that Bobby addressed this in his in his press conference yesterday after the game and kind of said it's a BS narrative. But, I mean, they're, what is it, Luke, one in three 
They're one in Bobby's second tenure coming out of bye weeks, mm-hmm. and their only win is against a terrible Cal Poly team last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, credit to Sean Rainey for pointing this out on Twitter and in the post game interview, and because Bobby gave him a little flack for the question, right? Yeah, he like he like answered. He said it. He said it was BS. It didn't have anything to do with anything that but about the bye week thing. But it is a trend, you know. I mean, 2018 lost to Davis after a bye week. I'm just looking. 19 it up. was sack. You got that. 19 was sack. Yeah. Who was la- last, last year? Was Cal- Cowboy was the win, oh, and then okay. was Dixie State the next week? Where? When was Dixie State in the schedule last year? Last it was year? after that, because it went because uh, yeah, Washington, Western Illinois bye because they had the bye week three, yeah. and then Garbage. Cal Poly, Dixie yeah. State, and. And I remember the Cal Poly game didn't start out as anything impressive. It was kind of like well, they won, yeah. but it was like 39-7, 18-0 at the half. Yeah, just kind of like they didn't put the – I think know, that was that one where we had – We stuff. had an interception for a touchdown. We had a kickoff return for a touchdown. It was so like a blocked punt. So, so what like, do you make of that? Like, I mean, that that do you think weirdness. that that is something that we should be kind of saying like, well – What's going on here? Or do you think it's just bad luck? Maybe it could be bad luck. I mean, when you look at like the teams they're losing to, I mean, it's not like they're chumps, you know. I guess because 2018 Davis was pretty good, if I remember right. Yep. And then Sack they won, won the league in 2019. Yeah. Cal Poly's terrible, yeah. so they beat them last year. And then this year, we're. I mean, I think everybody thought Idaho was going to be good, and just because energy was high, I don't think anybody really picked them to win this game. But it's not like they lost to a bad team, no. you know, in Idaho. So it could be a little bit of that, you know. I. I think it's wise for coaches to let players have days off in the bye week, which it sounds like the Grizz pretty much did. I think they had two practices mm-hmm. on like a Tuesday and a Saturday, so you have like time in between rest and, to rest. Yeah. And I think that's the smart decision to do, especially nowadays. Yeah. And so I think approaching it that way is good. What they got done on those other two practices that he said was game prep, so you never know what they actually did. Mm-hmm. And then the week prior, or the week of, he said that they looked good. You know, I think I think at the end of it. It was just like execution, right? And mistakes were what cost them. Like, well, yeah, go, go ahead. No. no, keep going. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just, I thought you were done with your point. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm all good. How are you? Well, I went, I think, I went back and I think in conference, uh, uh, Bobby is 18 and 9 since he returned. And so if a third of those losses are out of the bye week, is that like a statistically significant number of losses? Like a third of his losses since he's come back at a sample size of 27 conference games. I don't know. Those other ones were were road games, though, right? Davis and Sack were both road games? Sack was, was for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Davis was in Missoula. Davis was so, in Missoula. So but that maybe, was 18. That was, that was kind of that weird season. Where, yeah. yeah. I was thinking maybe it, there's not enough data to like be more conclusive about it. One thing I was wondering as like a plausible schematic explanation would be what the Grizz do on defense is so idiosyncratic that if a team has... Because Idaho came out of a bye, right? Yep. If they had an extra week to plan for us or to watch film on us, like if their offensive linemen could get a better sense of what to expect, um, maybe that helps them out more so than when they have five days to prepare. I mean, Portland did that too. Now, Portland's not as good as Idaho. Right. But... Um, Portland had opted to take a bye before us to put two weeks into our prep too. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it, it does make sense a little bit. Yeah, it helps for sure. I, I mean, mean, yeah. Another example I have just from previous 
work of just working in Billings at uh, Rocky Mountain College. My final year in Billings hosted Southern Oregon. Southern Oregon was number two in the country in NAI, but they had two weeks to prep for them. Uh-huh. Came to Billings and they beat them like thirty-five to seven. Huh. Rocky did. Yeah. And I remember someone like before the game was like that extra week of prep goes so much farther than people understand. Oh, and so I wonder to that point how how what how what did Idaho do? You know right. what I mean? Like how did they use it? How did they work? I mean, Jason X strikes me as a guy who also believes in time off, mm-hmm. but what did they do? Like, and you make a good point too. Like you can, seems like you can maybe hit on more things in that time period than a regular week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they came, Idaho definitely came in with the, like we we have to shorten this game uh, mentality, right? That's they, been their season. That's how they, that's how they operate. But they, the, I mean, they did it to perfection. They did it per, to 42 perfection. minutes time of possession. They converted a ton of third downs. Um, and they, made plays where we didn't make any plays. I even think about the touchdown that they scored uh, at the end of the second that quarter. That can't happen. Well, like, it was such a crazy play, and, and you, hats off to them, right? But the quarterback is taking, like, two or three steps right. O'Connell's breathing down yep. his back. He's throwing across his body. That QB is he, every bit as legit as Brent told us he was going to be. Yeah. And I 100% could believe that there are people from bigger programs that want to recruit him. He's a freshman. Richard, but yeah. Richard freshman. Yeah. But still, yeah. But anyway, Young it was guy. kind of a crazy-ass throw. And they make the play. And they score a touchdown. Yep. And that's a big – like that's just one of those moments in the game where um, I think that that ball gets completed less than half the time. Yeah. Such a hard pass. And I – you know, the, the thing like – that we've been seeing this year is it's been kind of, this has been happening a bunch with like, this game wasn't a bunch of weird fluky stuff. Like I can think back to um, the Grizz 2011 road game against Sac state where I think Grizz were top five and got, got, got it put to him or the 2008 game where we went to Weber. This is what we have. Brent. Yeah. This is why Grizz go to Weber. They'd had a couple close calls and then it's just the whole game. It was just like, you didn't recognize the team. Yeah. And it's but this one it was like, oh, here's that offense, here's that offense efficiency issues we saw against Idaho State. Here's the verticals, you know, and here's the this mobile QB that happened a little bit with Portland until the kid had heat issues, you know. And and it was like just all these kind of little things. It's like we've seen this, we've seen this, we've seen this. Here's the third week in a row we've taking a kickoff coming our way and giving it right back to the other team, you know. It's like That's that, crazy. That's that's the that's just the oddities with this, which I think I, I think puts you in a, a tougher spot to like look at this going forward because so in previous years you could look at a game and be like it was a perfect storm it was just a perfect storm of just if it could go wrong it did go wrong but they can clean this up and this is like they, this is three weeks in a row where the special teams has spotted the other team points in multiple situations yeah this is you know this is and you know what that that onside kick coming out of halftime that's a hundred percent coaching. Like they saw something on film where they were like, yeah. those guys aren't, ex- they would never expect this. They went for it. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And it's like, you know, shit happens. So it's like, you don't say like, Oh, Bobby, you should have known they're going to kick an onside kick. But it's like those guys, the thought did not cross the, the, the front six guys mind that they might do an onside kick. Yeah. Well, Jason X said that in the press conference, I believe he did. where he yeah. said something like they noticed that the Grizz were moving a little bit early sometimes yeah. to start running back. I mean, Another example of coaching is McCoy. 
I mean, he was on the team last year. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. he's a great example of what a year and a new coaching staff can do. Right. Just because of the place he makes. I mean, what what a playmaker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just. And this is why we, I love having Marty on our team because Marty loves a dynamic quarterback oh, like Lucas sure. Johnson and, but, say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, and Giovanni McCoy. And it's like, I mean, some of the plays he was making, I mean, really all of them, like Hayden Hatton was kind of a stud, you know, mm-hmm. for kind Idaho. Of, like, I, I just, would be surprised if he gets – well, McCoy might get player of the week. Might be but. Him. Like the play I rewatched that I just – like. I mean, Hayden Hatton, nine catches, 149, two touchdowns. I mean – and, kind of a stud. And his best <laughs> catch was that sideline toe tap. Yeah, early. Yeah. And the and first that, drive. where it's seven-minute like drive. Yeah. You know, third and 11. Yep. They hit him. And that's what's crazy. crazy is like the time of possession for Idaho was like 42 minutes. And they only put up 344 yards. They just they just held the ball. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that Riley had told us kind of like, if the Grizz don't get up, that's a concern is that this is the game they want to play. It's just run it and do all this. McCoy was 21 of 27. And he had one bad pick. O'Connell was great, you know, and you thought that was going to be a moment that turned. But they just kept coming back. Like, I am, I was impressed with him. Um, I do have a couple questions about the defense, and I feel like they're the least of the three areas of the team that I have concerns about. So let's just get them out of the way so that we can focus <laughs> on the other stuff. It feels like the last two weeks, our defensive scheme, the, the coaches have kind of – the opposing coaches on offense have kind of shown – take what you can give them and we can do this yeah. because like the underneath stuff that Idaho just kept going back to it and it was just there constantly. Yep. Yeah. And teams had success with that last year too. Yeah. You know, like say you would see that occasionally. I can't remember who it was. It might've been even Cal Poly. They smoked them, but Cal Poly had a couple of drives yep. that were like long yep. drives. It didn't amount to much, but they were still like longer than Cal Poly should be putting yeah. together in like, but it's because they kept running those under the curls, the drags, things like that. Yeah. Sack did last year. Right. James Madison absolutely did. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It gets, it gets problematic when you need how can well know to start covering slot receivers or big tight ends. Yeah. And they attack those two, like a lot of the completions, a lot of the third down completions were right at how. Now, you know, he's he's put in a position, you know, he's put on an island a little bit with the blitzing scheme. I don't know if many people can cover differently. But we're also, we're so safety heavy that whether it's Halk or whether it's someone, it's like they're, they're picking on the safeties a little bit. Because they're trying to get matchups where where their guys are on safeties and like yeah. the, like we talked about this a little bit where we've got this thread with some of the other guys that do Big Sky podcasts around the league, and the Idaho guys like Brian Marceau was like, it's so awesome that they keep leaving Ford on tight ends and receivers we're never going to throw to, yeah. and it was like why not move him around? Like I get that right. that's just not what we do. But why not move Ford around? Like, was, what, has anybody asked him that in a press conference? Uh, no, I don't think so. But didn't they? But didn't they move around You'll do a little it bit against Idaho State? State. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, they did it know? against Idaho State, but then right. they didn't really do it again this but, game. But I mean, you can see this coming because uh, Trajan Cotton gets ejected uh, on the the targeting, and so then the Idaho State receiver number one, I can't remember his name Jermaine right now, Jackson. Jackson, um, toast the safeties, and so then they shifted out. Ford goes to him, and you know. Doesn't do much. Had maybe some close calls, but um, Cotton's back. And so there's just this assumption that, okay, we're all is right in the world again. Uh, Jermaine Jackson, Idaho's number one. Um, Credit that dude. He took some major shots and kept getting up and got the last laugh against the student section too. Uh, 95 yards in the game. He was in the slot the whole way. A grand little guy. I think that's where he normally is. Uh, And then, yeah, Hayden Hatton and, and Jermaine Jackson, I don't think, 
I don't think they ever drew coverage from Ford. I think, like, intentionally by design, they think, just were on the other side of the field. I think Hatton scored on Corbin Walker. Walker. was the second one. Yep, and that was that deep man-to-man yeah. that, that Eck talked about where yeah. they drew it up, and they're like, let's take a shot, right. and let's go right over. And then they just cleared it out and sent it right over him. His first one was the state. He had he was open, but it was Fouch and Hauk had to yeah. close, right? Yep. They were the closest to him, basically, yep. on that final touchdown before the half. Um, yeah, so you're exactly – yeah. I mean, that's that's the design. It's it's get your get your skill, get your best guys on on which is fine. away and from like, Ford. And frankly, <laughs> the defense wasn't the problem on the safeties. Like no, I mean, the defense got put in crappy situation after crappy situation, yes. yeah. and, and the offense did forever. nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was forty-two <laughs> minutes to seventeen minutes. So it's like for sure you can like if your offense is even close to averagely competent, that defense wins the game. Like yeah. I, Sounds like you want to talk about the offense, Mike. Can we talk about special teams first? Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's do that. Anything hey. else on the defense, first of all? Patrick O'Connell, great interception. Like, he's quietly having another awesome year. He is, yeah. Having a better year, I think, at yeah. this rate, isn't he? He's he's, he's outpacing said. everything. So are, we, for are loss. we comfortable at this point saying that we think he will be in the league next year? <laughs> I mean, it seems like it. I, he, I mean, he, he's, he's, you, don't, you don't think he's big enough? That's not what I said. <laughs> How did you know I was talking to you? It might have yeah. been Kyle. Because you literally pointed at me, Michael. <laughs> this is a recording. They can't see I, us. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that um, there is a, like, there's more to being in the league than just your ability to put up stats at and the FCS level. Dante Olson showed us this. I was going to say, I was just going to say, and we've had some great linebackers over the years that we would have been like, oh, yeah, and they just they didn't. What I like about O'Connell is his motor, and and I think that like would betray, you know, even if he didn't have stats, that would maybe betray like something about his ability to be athletic at the next level. I, Dante's a bit of linebacker, which in today's NFL, you've got to have like, a, a, like elite agility and speed yeah. that Dante didn't have, right? At least at that next level. Um, with Pat being a edge, stand-up edge rusher, outside linebacker, it seems like it'd be a little more likely, but when was the last time he played special teams? Because, I mean, that's like probably what he's going to be. Look, look at Troy Anderson's like right. doing awesome. Although he didn't play a lot of special teams in Montana State, too. I think he'd be in the league. I hope so. I mean, I think he's the I'm best not, chance we've had in several years. I'm not yeah. sure. Both him and Ford. Yeah. Yeah. I think O'Connell's got a better chance than Ford does making the league. Hmm. This is conversation for another day. We're getting too Ooh. far off the path of okay. yeah, yeah, therapy yeah. Idaho session. But it is interesting. I mean, we put up a stat on the broadcast yesterday about – because, I mean, Justin Ford's probably not going to be a Buck Buchanan finalist because he doesn't have stats. But it's also because no, no one throws, throws at him, him you know. Yeah. And so it's like – but that's what you would hope teams would look at, right, for his case. And they will. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think O'Connell, special teams for sure. You know, and you never know. I mean, how many times do we see guys in the NFL who are like, you know, I was a walk-on from middle of nowhere, Kansas, yeah. you yeah. know, D3, whatever. Like, you know, it's just when he puts up stats and like, I think that gets him looks to start and then he can, I mean, he strikes me as someone who will do whatever most of these kids do. So mm-hmm. um, right. he could, I, I could see him finding a spot for sure. But definitely. And I mean, it's hard to like read into it because maybe they're just doing it for PR, but like, the football account tweets about all the scouts that are at practice every single week. And it just seems like a whole bunch more this year. And it's like, well, we have last year, two of the four best defenders in the FCS on this defense. Right. And so my guess is those are probably the two guys that are getting the most amount of looks. So I don't know. It just seems like 
the professional scrutiny, at least presumably, of Justin and Pat are is is much higher. That I think teams are putting resources into checking these guys out a lot more. Be my guess. Yeah, O'Connell's power is insane, so I think that that gives him the best shot. I mean, like you know, I, the comparable would be a, like a Croy Bearman. Right, but yeah. Croy, but Croy, of course, that was a four-three, and he was a defensive end, right? Yeah. So, but then when he went to Atlanta, he was a he was a stand-up edge. Didn't they convert him to that? Yeah, and he also put on a ton of weight. In yeah, the NFL. He got huge. <laughs> yeah. Too. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, yeah, those things are just so hard to predict, especially tough. at this level. It's real know, tough. Yeah. Like just reading it, because because I mean, like we like you said, Dante Olson, we see it. Tackle machine, totally. Yeah. You know, good size. Dante Olson had pretty decent size. And so it just predicting those at this level, because, you know, you don't know what they're looking at. You don't know how seriously they take some of these schools, which is a shame, yeah. you know, because you just don't know how much they're looking at it compared to a school that might be F. Because how many kids from Washington probably got looks, even though they were terrible last yeah, year? for sure. You know, yeah. so that's just it kind of well, is a disadvantage in that regard. Tackle machine, Robbie Houck. Right. No chance, right? Right. I mean, no, no disrespect to him. Malik Flowers. As a return specialist, I know in the NFL, like dedicating a roster spot to just a kick returner is probably not happening. You know, it's like that's the one where he's got to touch the ball more in this offense. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's, that's one of my biggest critiques. And I was gonna say, and that's something like I want to get to in the offense. And it's it's, I I texted it to you guys. A lot of the stuff we talk about is going to be rehashes. (laughs) I've done I've done a lot of writing on my phone the last twenty four hours. I'm so glad you brought some tall monster energy. I was just gonna say that (laughs) four hour pod Um, for those at home. We are continuing a bit. The monster energies are here. We're rocking and rolling. So tell your brother. So, yeah, defense, I mean, is what it is. There's some shortcomings that were frustrating, but they are not the reason we were here. No. Only concerning trend defense consecutively each and every game has allowed more points. Yeah. All right, let's let's transition. Special teams. Special teams, teams, Mike. Is this the worst special teams unit that Bobby Houck has had in his entire combined tenure at UM? Uh, I mean. Maybe not the returns. Well, I was going to say, if you take the returners out of it, out of it, I think there's no doubt. Like, can you ever think of a time? Even, forget Bobby Howe. Can you ever think of a time where a team three times in one season had the other team kick the ball off to them, and that team got the ball? No. Like, especially consecutively. Teams go seasons without having that happen. And we've had two safeties on punts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's weird. We bobbled them. It's weird. Like that's that, those are kind of fluky, but it's just like. You know, punter's great. Kicker's okay. You know, kickoffs are all doing fine. Blocked extra point. Blocked extra point. Game. But it's just like the, the – I get maybe it's just kick return that I'm frustrated about. But. but, I mean, we talked about this last week where it's like this Grizz team needs to prepare for – I mean, they need to be more prepared for no one is going to kick straight away to Malik unless the game's over. Um. Like, I guess Idaho did right, kind of right at the end, right? Why? Emily called, he had two returns. Emily almost like, yeah, because he set the record yeah, on he, one. Oh, man. He, he, and he, and he like, kind of tripped up over a blocker. Like, yes. he almost, like, he had one guy caught, to go. Yeah. I think he still might have gotten caught because yeah. he was kind of moving in and the, the Idaho yeah. defender was right there. Yeah. So I think it would have been, like, close. But, like, <laughs> in my mind, I was watching that and I was like, this is going to be kind of one of the most, I don't want to call it grizz things ever or maybe, like, bad luck for their opponent thing ever where, like, Idaho gets momentum, and then they just happen to have a kick that Malik Flowers feels with the one gone. Yeah. You know? Because, like, I mean, th- I think about the Eastern game last year. In, Eastern in Washington. Yeah. Like, they're going to roll in Cheney, and then 
they kick to him and he just I mean he changed the trajectory he made it close again and he gave him a chance yeah yep, so all the way back I just the fact that he got two returns because we were looking at the stat for the broadcast and I was just like is he ever gonna break this record because I mean he needs one return and I'm like I don't know if he's gonna get another yeah. chance this year yeah. we did an over under last week on how many total returns he'd have in the year and then he got two so we're probably all looking wrong on that but. <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean I, but it's just like and it's so weird because like he they work on that stuff like I'm sure it's driving Bobby nuts and it's like I'm not trying to criticize anybody because that's not really the intent but it's just like I'm just shocked like they're making mistakes that would you would never fathom a Bobby team making right right and with with the amount of talk you hear about the way they prepare and run certain scenarios and certain situations you know we do this every Friday at 2 p.m. and blah 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 this is what we do and it's just like I it, it is baffling that three just I mean you know what was it Portland State you don't even feel the you don't even feel the pop-up you just let it bounce um Idaho State, a defensive end. I know Edwards, you know, had that fumble return for, for the touchdown, but it's just like fair catch the thing. Just fair catch it. Because like, he fair caught it in week one. He fair, yeah, he fair caught one in week one, right? And then, yeah, and then this one with, I think it was, was it 54? Was it Flink that ran up on it? I can't remember who the number was. But but it's just like. I think so. Just the amount, because, like, you know, like, we hear this so much and we see it so much. I mean. Kyle, you go to plenty of practices yourself, right? They run through so many drills and work so much on these kids to just like every single moment. That's just the stunning thing, just to kind of see these mental errors. Because um, you know, it's it. That was like the big criticism that a lot of us Grizz fans had from the Stitt era was it didn't seem like there was kind of a top-down focus on making sure that everybody from the starter to the third string could execute the same way given the right situation. It's like Bobby's back. That's a big thing they focus on, and then you just continually see this week after week and now you know so the special teams so i mean the the point swing effectively was the onside kick turned into a field goal blocked extra point took a point off the board and then the the safety was two points and fortunately when they punted away didn't get anything so i mean that's a it's a six point swing and that touchdown that they scored at the end of the first half oh the, the play was extended by uh Pass, uh, roughing the passer yeah. penalty. Do you remember yeah. So just going back to kind of like the weird sloppiness that yeah. you're not used to. We, we, but we also had a we had a penalty on a punt. Pump. Yeah, that's Trevin Gradney hit out of bounds. Uh, hit, out of hit out of bounds, which is yeah. Was, he looked like he kind of fell on the guy. Yeah. We I just it's that and the so, roughing the passer were kind of one of those things where like. And the fourth and one. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the two penalties specifically yeah, was, was just kind of like, as players and just the coaches would probably just. Don't give the refs a chance to call it. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, that's the, because the, the, the rough and the passer, that's absolutely what it was. Because it was correct. like he took two steps after he threw it, basically, before I touched him. I yeah. Mean, like You were in the area, and yeah. the quarterback fell, and you touched him. And then same thing with out of bounds. Yeah. Like just rewatching it today was like, Trevin, I don't know. It like, looked like Trevin kind of tripped over another guy that was making the yeah. stop. Like he didn't even look like his head was up when he was going down. And yeah. so it's like, okay, well, he was clearly like just falling. Yeah. But he landed on top of the guy. The guy's well out of bounds. Just there goes you the know, they did yeah. All they see is a Grizz guy hit the Idaho guy. Out of bounds. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because they, they didn't. They didn't, you know, react to some of the other stuff. They could have called the other way, but that's a whole other <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, so... It's not just, about the refs. The amount, just the amount of special teams errors. Like, this is... 
most we've ever seen. I, I feel like. Yeah. But maybe, but that's a good point, Mike, because it's like the return game is still solid. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, like people should Kick take it the wrong way. Like, the fact that we're having that conversation good. should tell you how good special teams has always been with Bobby. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, but you go to expect it. That three, like, I, I would love it if there's some random place that does stats on that. But I mean, I would have to imagine that not getting, not coming with the, away with the ball when you were kicked off to three different times in the season has got to be oh. statistically way up there. Yeah, in I would imagine what happens to a team in a given season, like. I Way can't. up there. <laughs> it's too bad Chris Walters skirts. It's not around yeah. still to ask him because he'd probably know. But uh has to be. Especially, and the wild thing is consecutive games. Three in a row. It's odd, too, because coming into the year, I think one of the things we maybe we didn't talk about a whole lot was that there was maybe going to be some concerns with the kicking game with Fushini <laughs> and Macias gone. Right. You know, and, like, I think, you know, obviously Rohrbox turned into a great punter. Oh, yeah. You know, he's yep. he's great. And so, like, you know, made a couple of mistakes. I wonder because both of his safeties have been into the sun. Like yesterday, I just straight up wonder close if he just to the looked into the sun. You know what I mean? I mean, that field gets bright. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the field yeah. bright, and then, yeah, you're looking up. So I just wonder if that was that. But, like, he's been good. You know, Ramos has been kind of a little inconsistent, but he's not bad. Not you know, bad. and then, you know, they had the struggles when he didn't play the first one. when Casper. Uh, yeah, with Casper. And yeah. so he... Um, Ramos has been fine, though. He's been fine. Yeah, he's, I, Macias I, I, was just so good. You I didn't know. see the replay of the block if it was a breakdown. It's 18, Tommy McCormick broke through and got it. Just got right through yeah. and no one put a hand on him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And he uh so it's like that's where I thought they were gonna have issues, but then like you mentioned the kick return game. I mean this has just been bizarre because the whole coming into the year I I was just like, well what are they gonna do because they're just not gonna kick it to Malik. Right. You know, so they gotta get creative. And then the Northwestern State game, that very first kickoff the kick that Kale Edwards caught fair caught I was like, oh is it just gonna be this all that's year? It. Yeah. You know? And then teams have gotten creative. Um, yeah, which is interesting because it's just like I mean they're I mean they have to I mean because uh, no that now that Bergen has turned into such a good returner too no one's going to kick it to I mean they shouldn't kick know. it off to no. the Grizz no you know and these good teams definitely won't but I mean and that's the thing like especially we as Grizz fans have just grown to expect is like we we anticipate that a how coach special like those like he is the one that controls it he is he is the mastermind he is the one that comes up with all the ideas that always work and the execution that always happen that just like this will be fixed this won't be a problem maybe it happens once but that's it and it's not been the case um and it's continued to hurt the team so you know it's just weird yeah it's really weird it's really weird okay <laughs> so that's special teams <laughs> we're good on offense we don't need to talk about it. offense is fine so the two point the two point swing and for the safety I think was a bigger deal than yeah I think they, it was they, a bigger deal on at the yeah. end it kind of changed the trajectory of like how you approach the rest of the game right, right. And like yeah just everything because it's six three Rohrbach's gonna boot at fifty yards but then all of a sudden it's a safety and then all of a sudden Idaho's getting the ball on like the I mean I don't think they did anything with it really but they're getting the ball on the forty yeah you know but on the road at Weber Sack what does that look like if you're in the same scenario is kind of how I look at it yeah it's just true true. Um, so it's just thing, things like there's just there's small things, but decline to clean up, and I don't know. And maybe it's just a freshman moment too. You just never know. So. Yeah. I, to me, it was just <laughs> throat on the pile of poor execution and sloppiness. Like we didn't make plays, and Idaho did the whole game and in every phase. Yeah, they really did. I mean, like they had that pick. So I mean, they didn't get every break, but I mean, they made plays and and they made stuff happen. The wild thing was, like, walking out of the game at halftime, I was like, Giovanni McCoy doesn't throw interceptions. 
or hadn't since game one, and their kicker doesn't miss field goals. And both happened in this first half. I was mm-hmm. like, I feel good. Like, this game is not pretty right now, but I feel good. And it was just like, <laughs> I don't know. A, I, I shouldn't have felt good. <laughs> I know, I know. But, <sighs> I mean, he had plenty of leg into it, right? Yeah, that kid has a kid's a damn good kid. Freshman, too. Yeah. Oof. Sophomore, maybe. I think he's an underclassman. It's but looking at Idaho's roster, a lot of these guys making plays are They're underclassmen. Pretty young. Yeah. And like I was like, oh, so Idaho, because the Grizz are at Idaho next year. Yeah. And so they won the turnover battle three to one. Then I don't think they count the onside kick, so it's two to two to one. Okay. Because there's two picks, Johnson two picks. Two picks. But they don't count the onside kick uh-uh. as a turnover. At least when I looked at the stat book, it showed. Yeah. Like, technically on the stat book, it didn't, they don't. Because it, it's not a fumble. It's one of those ones where, like, the coaches in, in their tracking probably count as a turnover because it's an opportunity not to – that they should have had the ball that they didn't, but all yeah. those turnovers. Yeah. Interesting. Especially in this game where I don't know how long that drive was, but that probably – the thing helps it afterwards. He's like, it was just – not so much that they got the field goal, but the fact that the Grizz just didn't have the ball. Yeah. You know, just added to that 42 minutes of possession time. Who knows what the Grizz do coming out of third quarter? Yeah, right. Mike, what do you think they do coming out of the third quarter? If I they mean, get the ball. He's not wrong. I mean, like come out, put together a good drive. You know, and that was frustrating because it's like they had a couple, like, you know, um, Roberts had the catch that got overturned, mm-hmm. which you know the, the replay was clicked to review a couple plays, you know, for Idaho, and then in the biggest freaking moment of the game, like, one. Yeah. why not review that? I don't understand that. That kid was at least a half like, a yard what, short. Like, if, if there's any doubt in that moment, like, why not? What's the point of having review? Yeah. Like, and I know we can get to, like, Bobby could have challenged it, and I'm going to bring that up. But I just don't understand that. But anyway. Well, yeah. Yeah. Andrew Schmidt kind of made a, fast, a, a good point on Twitter about it. And I, yeah, it's tough to say how it would have swung things differently. But, you know. Two minutes of clock later, Bergen takes a punt almost back to where that spot was, and then Lucas Johnson throws a pick. Yeah. Shortly thereafter. Yeah. But, you know, it is – it would have been – I just – like the momentum of momentum, the Momentum, it's a different thing. You make that yeah. stop there. Well, the stop was made. I'm, I'm convinced. Like, I saw the two angles. It's tough because there wasn't, like, a straight down the line angle, but that guy had the ball on his hip, and Robbie puts his helmet on the ball. And the ball carrier does not extend beyond whatever that was, the 35 or 40-yard line. And that was the line to cross – his helmet does, but the ball is on his hip, yeah. and he hits the ground. I mean, Weird. yeah, I mean that. Will, I, yeah, I mean that's a defensive thing. We're we're moving on. Okay, um, we're done. <laughs> we're on to Halloween. <laughs> I I don't know where to start with the offense. Uh, like, I mean, they looked bad against Idaho State, and they looked they worse. Looked awful. Yeah. Awful against yeah. Idaho. So, I mean, we had a lot of questions on this, so maybe a good spot to start at. And this is – I'd put this up in kind of some post-game thoughts. Um, Lucas Johnson, I I don't know because, right, I'm just a fan. I, I don't know if there was design or if it was Lucas's decision or if it was just perfect execution by Idaho. But Lucas Johnson is not a pocket quarterback. And either Idaho forced him to be, props to them if that's the case, or there was the decision – in these last two games that he really would be, because we even talked about this in the pod, like, oh, is he taking too many hits? Is he running too much? I think Lucas Johnson, and it's like, you watch the USC-Utah game later that night, and you had two QBs, Caleb Williams, and I'm blanking out the Utah QB name, um, stretching the field, using their legs, running the ball, and just changing the way the defense has to anticipate this quarterback 
And I think Johnson had negative rushing yards because it was mostly it was a sack or two. And I mean, he had that weird the fumble thing, right? And then he had the dive play in. But it's just like these last two games, it doesn't feel like all of a sudden he's a he's considered to be like a part of the running game. And it's like just sit in the pocket and throw these passes. And his two picks were bad, bad picks right into heavy coverage. First one was really bad. And so it's just like. The second one was too. I mean, so, the second know. one was like, it was like a bad throw, but also a really good play by the safety. Yeah. I feel like. Hopped he, up and got yeah, inside he made, the route. He made like yeah. a break. I rewatched it. He made a break on the ball like six yards from where I think it was Grossman was making the cut. Because he so. was, because Johnson was staring him down. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, but he saw it. But the first one, I think looking back at it, there was four Grizz, six Idaho defenders, and he threw right to the linebacker. Yeah. You know, right to him. And the guy didn't move. Yeah. <laughs> Idaho had some schemes where they dropped a shit ton of guys into coverage. Yeah, they did. Like eight guys, sometimes nine guys into coverage. I think they, yeah, they, they, had, they had that at one of the goal to goes, and they had two, and it was just like, Lucas, just step up and run. Like, there's two guys. Your O-line, you got five guys on the O-line blocking two. Like, just go. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and I can't put my – like, it's hard to put yourself in the mind of, like, what, what he's seeing, but that was – you know, it's – yeah, I mean, you train your internal Bad clock to game. want to get rid of the ball by a certain yeah. Mississippi, and if you don't recognize, they drop two guys <laughs> from your blind side into coverage or whatever, right? Like you're thinking that hit's gonna come. Maybe he's staring down receivers on one side, so he doesn't I mean, he realize yeah. it. But yeah, I think that's I think that's probably right that he's trying to be a little bit more of a pocket passer, perhaps to preserve himself from or insulate himself from some hits and they ca- Idaho catches this coverage scheme against him that he hasn't seen before but like the thing about Johnson is like he came here like he first went to Georgia Tech as like a option QB and then he was like a mobile running QB at San Diego State like it's not like he was like it's like Andrew Sell when flu came in it was like all of a sudden you're gonna run the spread you know and so it's like that's like in his DNA to like be this mobile threat of a QB and this Idaho game just showed like so now like both Idaho stayed a little bit and now Idaho it's like okay you contain Johnson and force him to throw the ball he's not gonna make the best decisions and he's gonna have he's gonna stare targets down and he's probably gonna have some accuracy issues as well too so four rush attempts 37 passing attempts 186 passing yards it was like 20 for 37. 20 right? for 37, 186 basket yeah. yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Yeah. And the weird thing was, is like some of his throws were like, he had some weird misses. Yeah. yeah. And it, right off the start, because he had Mitch, he rolls out on his left, he's got Mitch Roberts, and that was a that the was open a, C, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he underthrew him. That's a 40-yard gain to start your first offensive drive. Mitch was really open. Like <laughs> super open. But I, I do say that Johnson on that play, he evaded a sack and was on the move he was rolling to his left throwing to mitch come in you know from right to left i kind of thought it was a tough throw but but we saw mitch was very so open. like we, we saw lucas Winco make these plays. in Missoula open like he was open i just i i don't know man like i like i agree with you tough throw rolling to your left I feel like he's made that throw a few times. Oh. There also wasn't really anyone near him, if I remember correctly, when he actually threw it. Like, yeah, because you're right, because he evaded the sack. 
And I just, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what his awareness is like in that situation. He, he might assume someone's on his. But it's a play that at the D one level they should make. Right. And the first four, and the and first know, four games he made those. Right. And it's like if you are aware, just stop. You just have to get the ball to him. Like you don't have to throw this dime. You just have to get it to any underthrew him. That was yeah. the main. That was the thing that struck out to me. Is I was just like, if he did like chucked it out of bounds, overthrown yeah. him, but like it was, it was a short throw and. I just I thought it was kind of odd. There was the I think second quarter he overthrew Grossman by like five yards when Grossman was open down the middle. Right over, yeah, over his head. Um, yeah. Same he, drive, missed Roberts again. I think on the sideline. He struggles with the outs, especially like the short outs, and I think it's because he he maybe he has a fear of like throwing leading him too far and it getting picked or something like that. But it's yeah. often behind the guy, and like there were a few where like he could have hit Bergen or he could have hit Fonts, and mm. they just. Especially throwing to his left on those outs, he just sailed them. Yeah, wide. Mm-hmm. The weird, that weird double pass that he just barely overthrew Grossman. I don't really blame him on that, just because yeah. it was kind of like that was just. I mean, I thought it was technically an incompletion with that double pass. I didn't realize it was still behind. Just oh, yeah, from my of, angle yep. on the sideline, it's yep. kind of weird. But dude, the, that, that was a crazy. Pick. That was nuts, and I can't believe they almost got, the away, ball got it the off. Ground, he yeah. Barely, yeah, he <laughs> barely got that ball off, and it still hit Grossman's hand. Right. And, and to his defense, I guess a little bit, maybe this is another offensive thing. He also was not getting. I mean, I thought Keelan White should have caught that pass in the end zone. Was and it the, Keelan or was it Fonts? I think it was Keelan White. In front of the student section? Yeah. That's that? Yeah. Like, that was. Yep, a, I agree with you. That was a great throw. You need guys to make plays. But right. And that was, turned into a field goal instead of a touchdown. Correct. Right? And yeah. it was right. It was. They go big play to Roberts, big play to Bergen. You're on the 10. Yeah. And then you go three and out, basically. <laughs> but the third one is you're. White is was wide open, hits him in the hands. He's in the end zone, but he drops it. Drops it, and you know. But then also the play calling didn't kind of make a ton of sense there either. Because no. the primary code, they did they run they ran the ball. No, it was, they passed it. You have second and goal from the ten, and they halfback dive. You I mean, know, that, that and you was, got like that, that was that that was that moment in the game where it was like, okay, they're coming. Like they're sick of this. Right. They're doing it. They had two play calls that were kind of you know unique to what they've been doing. Da da da. Huge gains, and then I turned. To the person I was sitting next to, and I was like, they can't have this drive and then go three and out and kick a field goal here. And mm-hmm. I mean, that just, that was killer. And those things are such momentum for defenses because it's like they're getting their ass kicked and then they all of a sudden shut down and hold you to a field goal. Yeah. Big win. It's yeah. a big win for hey, a defense. This monster yeah. energy is delicious. Dude, right? <laughs> See, now you get it. <laughs> You guys are all going to be named Kyle by the end of this <laughs> podcast. This is like calling it good to go here. Um, what else on offense? I mean, part of the problem with some of these stats is we just didn't have the ball. Yeah. yeah. And we were behind. And so there's just lots lots passing. It is interesting. And we've got a lot of questions about just Lucas not running. Like that, you know, when he grabbed his knee at one point, and I think it must have been a cramp, not a knee thing. But yeah, something yeah. doesn't feel right. And maybe maybe the league figured him out. Could be. Maybe they've seen enough film on him where it's they've figured him out. Because the last two weeks, or the last two games... Defenses have made them well, and I feel like these are discussions we had last year. Um, as this continues, no one takes our running game serious, nope. and because it's not a threat, it wasn't a threat last week. And what we've talked about a lot this season, but haven't today, is like our O line—they're doing the best they can, but they're not as good as they need to be in this offense. But that frustrates me because this is the fifth year back. Yeah, like. This roster is entirely Bobby Houck's. Uh-huh. I just I don't understand, for as well as we do in recruiting, why why we don't have better yeah. offensive linemen. And people are going to say, well, it's tough. Well, yeah, 
It is tough, but there are great offensive lines in the Big Sky Conference. Sack's doing it. Weaver's doing it. Cats are doing it. Idaho's doing it. Cats lost four All-American all O-linemen or All-Conference O-linemen, and they've replaced them. They got the best rushing offense in the conference. Yeah. South Dakota had one of the best O-line. I thought it's, they had a great O-line, too. South yeah. Dakota. They had a solid one. You know, it's like they're fighting those kids. Yeah, they're, they're, like, I, I think there's some guys that are going to be players for us. Like, there's some young guys on the O-line that are doing well. But I do. I think that we need to. He's he's getting hit a lot. Yeah, it it has confused me how, you know, MSU, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, right? Like some of these programs, we know that they're going to run the ball down your throat, and defenses can't stop it. You you can beat these teams sometimes, but they're still going to run for two hundred, two hundred fifty yards a game, right? Like, I don't think if we wanted to we could just line up and push Idaho around and say, you may beat us, but we're going to run for 200 yards a game. No, I don't think so. We don't have those kind of offensive line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And it's just, and I like, I still like, even if there was limited amount of plays, I don't know why they didn't try to run it just a little bit more to change it up a little bit. But like, to your point also, they're not, they're not going to get that. Well, because Idaho state game was like the most rushing yards they've had in a while, you mm-hmm. know, for running backs anyway. And I think I, I think you make a great point, especially now with this gauntlet coming up. You know, some of these teams, like, who, right? you know. And you need, and if it's getting hard for Lucas Johnson, like, a way to make it a little easier for him is to make a team respect your run game. But So, we're veering off into my other set of questions <laughs> about the bigger picture, but... This is two years in a row where in the middle of the season, the offense struggled. Yeah, yeah. People start to question play calling. People are questioning coaching. I mean, some people. I'm not saying they're rational. Like, nobody who comments online is <laughs> Your rational. This post yesterday was hilarious, friends. <laughs> I can't go to that site. I was like, man, oh, man. What a... post, post-loss entertainment, Egris just is death just... taxes and... I was like, wow, they really didn't wait. Like, we got out of the press conference. But, I logged on Twitter, and I saw it. I was like, wow, these guys were just... They were ready. Uh, they, they, were ready. they got those loaded up. <laughs> it yeah. Um, but uh, do we have an offensive scheme problem? Like, can you tell what is our offensive scheme, Luke? Like, what do what do we run? We, um, M- Michael, we ran a bunch of fly sweeps <laughs> to fonts yesterday. Oh my god! Oh my god! We ran two in a row, in fact. <laughs> uh, we ran one to. Did we run one to flowers? I believe those were all jet sweeps. Uh, it was a jet sweep. handoff. Handoff, not fly pass, sweeps which, pass. Oh yeah. Frankly, they should all be fly sweeps because it's a safer play to run. Okay, we ran some jet sweeps yep. to flowers. <laughs> we were we didn't run as much read option RPO as we had in the Hell, first few games, right? How many plays do we have an offense? Like 50? 50, 50 I mean, we hardly any offense yeah. to run. <laughs> I don't know, Michael. But that's what I'm saying. Like, wh- what is our identity? And what is our offensive identity this entire second tenure of Bobby Houck? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I felt yesterday watching the game, or a Saturday, was, I felt like I was watching last year's offense all over again. Yeah. Yep. Like, I don't feel like, I, like, I didn't feel like there was any difference just because. It, it turned into the same thing. It was like, beat us with the pass. We know you can't do that consistently. And we just know that you're not going to, you're not going to be getting five yards of carry. Yeah. Right. 
and we don't do anything like creative to counter that. And I know that right. people are going to say, well, it's tough. You can't just one other team shut it down. You know, that's true for crappy teams, but we're not. Like our roster is pretty talented. Yeah. Like it, it just it seems like we fall into this funk where we they don't even they don't go deep in the playbook. They don't, and I'm sure there are lots of rational reasons. I've never been a football coach, whatever. But something's not right. Not with you. Coulter always talks about like the scheme mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. And how he's just like colleges yeah. love their schemes and things like that. And just the one thing I watch with the Grizz is I'm just I just wonder to go back to what we were talking about at the very top, just why don't they get the ball to some of these playmakers? Junior Bergen, two catches yesterday. Mm-hmm. One of them was that incredible great yeah. play that puts him on the ten yard line. You know, Malik Flowers. Like I, he's just the one player I kind of always look at, and I'm just like, why don't we or we not we, but why don't the Grizz find a way to get him the ball in any capacity? Yeah. He's the fastest player on the field. Like yeah. Malik Flowers, one rush, twenty five yards, one catch, thirteen yards. Yeah, I feel like they tried to get the ball like with those. Wait. Jet sweeps, they were running jet sweeps. The jet sweep fly sweep was kind of Thank a you. joke, harkening back to you know Bob Stitt, Bob. Bob Stitt, and then oh. things I've heard in QB Club over the last five years. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But I feel like they tried to get the ball to like Fonts, who's a playmaker, yep. I yeah. think, via a jet sweep or a yep. fly sweep, whatever you want to call it. Um, they it seems like they were trying, I don't know yeah. if they are. You know, this is where I, I start micromanaging people who do this for a living, and it becomes problematic. But um, I, I, what I do know is I'm not exactly sure what the identity is, and it did feel a lot like last season. Like I can confirm those things where we didn't have a very dynamic quarterback. Yep. Like we do now. And you know, the other interesting thing is like it also feels like the Snead era when Snead hurt his leg and teams were like able to clamp down on the run and make him pass and to me then that kind of feels like it goes back to the offensive scheme like if we don't have a mobile qb that can bail us out like what the hell are we doing and it could go back to o-line but it's like we're now talking about three plus years of college football playtime with covid in between like yeah you can't use the excuse of like we don't have the right guys like at some point like because they have the right guys because the other guy doesn't Hasn't done a whole lot this year, and I also wonder why is Grossman. Yeah, you know, we've talked I about mean, that a ton. Like, I'm just, I, I like joke with other media guys where I'm just like, you know, is Chris Brown to be thanked for the discovery of Cole Grossman yeah. as the probably the best tight end? Well, of the we league. talked about that last year. Like, <laughs> yeah. Chris Brown is like, when Grossman came out know, of his shell. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, it was crazy because, like, I think Brown didn't he throw like five touchdowns last year? Four of them were to Grossman. Grossman. Grossman, you know, Which, he scored like five games in a row. Then Chris Brown's pretty intelligent in that regard because. Look for your giant ass tight end, right? Like, yeah. Your super athlete out yeah. there who like can dunk it on nerds, like right. you know. And so like yeah. he just and so it's like him, you know, like it, it's so bizarre because like you know South Dakota game, right? He catches like the first or second play of the game. It's that sixty yard catch and run. Yeah, but then I don't think he caught another pass. He might have caught one more. Yeah. You know, he had one catch against Northwestern State. So yeah. it's like. He, it's like you have this guy, utilize him, and then Fonz, I think, is going to be a great player. Yeah. Bergen is a great player, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so some of these guys, it's just with, with – and Flowers is just – the way I, the reason I, I look at him because he's so dynamic, I'm just like, just get, put the ball in his hands and see what he does yeah. in any capacity because he's proven he can run it. You know, I loved last year when you guys did this podcast and you talked about – they did the sweep. I think it was against the Bobcats and he ran right into Sammy. 
and then they ran the same exact play against Eastern in the playoffs, and it was a touchdown. Touchdown. You know, they just adjusted it or whatever. And, like, it just seems like with guys like him at at speed at this level, if you just get him the ball, something will happen. You know, line him up and run him back. Well, and it seems seems weird. Like, Like, why not? And and, and a chunk of his touches this year have been on, like, trick plays. Like, we have to to use trick plays to find out how to get our should-be all-league tight end in the offense. Right. Especially when you're struggling – and you've got a QB that can roll out, which this was our complaint last year when Chris Brown was starting filling in for Cam, was we never adjusted the offense to his skills. Right. But it's like, let Johnson roll out to his right, have have um, two tight ends lined up, have have Grossman half the time run an out and half the time run a run up the field on a slant or whatever the hell you want to do it. You know, have the receiver run. A, I mean, like, and then just say Johnson three reads. None over there. Run, take them. You know, I mean, it's just like, and I know that's oversimplification, but yeah. it's just like, it doesn't seem like they are even doing things to try and get their playmakers the ball. And this is like, I've got this whole list of like things I want to talk about after the <laughs> Idaho game, like bigger picture stuff, but they cross over a little bit. But yeah. it's just like, we talked early in the year about the receivers and how Coach P said that he thought it's the best receiver room he's ever been around. Right. And I still believe that that could be true from the standpoint of there's a lot of talent in there like fonts is a great talent Mm -hmm. flowers should be utilized more roberts has turned into a really clutch receiver Mm -hmm. you know keelan white i mean ryan simpson ryan simpson you know yeah he's another guy where i'm just like god if he's ever one-on-one on on some of these dbs just Just, he's six foot six just throw him a jump ball yeah like like, he's a basketball player you talk about all these other teams that, that play us and they they scheme against our safeties because they're like, if we can get our, if we can get one of our studs in the slot and take advantage of them, and it just seems like we don't do it. Right. And there's this obsession, and and Coulter has talked about this a lot, and we've talked about it on here with him in like the six-hour pod sessions we had right. with him. Yeah. But um, the Grizz fan pod experience. It seems like Coach Hauk is only okay with stars on defense. Hmm. And on defense. I think that he's more okay with it because you don't really get to you don't really get to call plays to make Patrick O'Connell a star. Patrick O'Connell has to make himself a star on defense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. On offense, with the exception of you know the previous era, there was Mark Mariani, and he seemed more okay with it. This era, he doesn't seem to like oh, making geez. anybody the go-to guy. And like there could be an argument of why that's awesome. You spread the ball around. You get everybody touches. They can't game plan for everybody. But yesterday, when we needed somebody to make plays, we don't have anybody to go to because yeah. we don't consistently have someone who we put in the position to be like, you're the guy. When we need to go win a game and we've got a minute to drive down the field, we are freaking throwing it to whomever and you better stop him. And if you're, if you, you know, you've got to shift your guys over because you know we're going there and then we take advantage of other guys. We don't do that. <laughs> Getting off my getting off my soapbox here. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know, Mike. My sense is you throw to the guys who are open. God, you would be a phenomenal football. Thank you, coach. John Madden. <laughs> well, score more points than the other team yeah you know so there's this gotta, game called madden 23 you gotta maximize points <laughs> would love it minimize turnovers. <laughs> offense only practices yeah. yes. yeah. no I, I no i mean but but that's I true yeah. i don't you know it's do we have a, do we have a mark mariani 
I don't think we have anybody who's who's like that. And I, Do, I don't think that's a fair... Like, if we just started throwing at Malik Flowers 13 times a game... But here's the thing. Maybe we don't have Mark Mariani, but freaking Idaho State has a go-to receiver who kicked our ass. Yeah. Every team that comes in, in has a receiver who's their leading receiver, whether they're a shitty program or whether they're the best team in the big sky. Yeah. And they go to them. That's and true. we don't. And I don't think it's because of some overly complicated, like, deep philosophical football thing. I think it's because we've got but, some stupid thought that we we don't want there to be a star. We want everybody to be team, I, team above player. Which I think the counter would be... I'm sorry. I'm going to let you talk, yeah, no. Brent. I wonder if, if you have a system like that... And you don't like where you have a go-to receiver and a go-to tight end, and they're like the prohibitive one-two combo, and everyone knows it. If you don't have a Mark Mariani, mm-hmm. um, you're never going to win a national championship with that strategy because good teams will just just fuck that strategy up. I agree, right? And so the the better like longer-term sort of game is. You have to figure out a system in which, like, your quarterback understands progressions and reads and identifies defenses, and you take what the defense gives you because the defense can't cover everything at all times all at once. And if you can, if it happens to where you have very talented people, like your wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback all doing what they should be doing and executing well. Um, you can beat a great team when you execute. Sure. So that, I think sure. that's the yeah, philosophy. That, that's how I would imagine a coach would uh, defend the, this type of philosophy. Yeah. And I mean, I, I buy all that. Like, that all makes perfect sense. Um, but I would, I would counter with it's like if you've got some of your go to guys, like you've got your go to receiver and your go to tight ends, Grossman, let's say, you could still get other guys the ball. Like, it's not like you have to throw to him every time, but it's like, who are you going to in the clutch? And, like, let's just, like, Mitch Roberts is the leading receiver, which I think I called. Yes. 28 catches, 346 yards. What's his average? 12.36. Hole, 57.67 a game. Ooh, we are halfway are through right the season. On that. Yes. I was like, you I, said he's a 60-yard per game show, guy. I said he's going to be 60 <laughs> yards a game and lead him with offense. <laughs> Mitch, 28 catches? I feel like he has more. Well, you know, I mean, unless unless they haven't updated it for this week. So the caveat is, like, sure. if, if GoGrizz.com isn't updated through this week, then I think th- it is. this is outdated. But it usually yeah. is. They usually do for a pretty sure. good job. Of that. I mean, it says six games, so if they're 5-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, who do you think the next leading receiver on this Grizz team is? Six games. Fonts. I just took a guess. Um, probably yeah. Junior. Uh, junior or Aaron. Fonts. 19 catches, 194 yards. I was going to say running back because I thought you were trying to throw us for a trip here. So yeah. I'm so really glad that's not 19 the case. catches, 194 yards. And and we kind of said a couple weeks ago that we wouldn't be surprised if he kind of solidifies himself number two because he's a playmaker and right. they should be throwing the ball. And what that tells me is they're trying to get him some short screens and stuff too. And right, it's right. like he's just trying to get the ball their playmakers. So that's good play calling. Malik, 14 catches. Junior Bergen, 12 catches. Cole Grossman, 12 catches. Keelan White, 11 catches. Xavier Harris, 11 catches. Ryan Simpson, 4 catches. That's I mean, two catches a game for both Grossman and Burke. Yeah, two that, that catches a like game for that, Burke. I mean, those the two guys who should be playmakers. 
Um, there are only two receivers on the team that have more than 200 yards receiving. Malik Flowers and Mitch Roberts. Fonts has 194. Bergen has 175. Grossman has 174. Keelan White has 113. But I, I don't think it's... They're not throwing uh, some guys the ball because they refuse to have stars. I don't think that's the motivation. But... But I think Mike's point, though, Luke, is okay. like Idaho, Idaho State <laughs> sat there and was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna get our guy the ball." Yeah. It, it and what this feels like is under the previous coaching staff was the system is the system and it always works. I don't care where Junior is or I'm where Malik is and where Cole <laughs> is because the system's the system and it's all gonna work out. And then Idaho and Idaho State and a little bit Portland State, and a little bit Indiana State, was like, nope, this guy's my guy, and I know that's where the weakness is, and so my guy's going to be here, and he's going to go. And and this this really feels like some shit we heard from the last staff, where yep. it was like, the system's the system, the system always works, and we don't need to, do, we don't need to change anything, it just needs to happen. We're just going to do our happening. thing. Yeah. Well, we, we don't, we, you know, and, and, and it's too simple to say we're not, we, we're not going to take advantage of what they give us on game film and what they show us, but we don't venture out of our 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 system much to do it whereas it's like idaho they ran some things both on offense and defense that we haven't seen yeah yeah i think that i love it when luke has to be paused no i just hate that i (laughs) kyle help me out here we're on the same side of the table (laughs) (laughs) you haven't opened your monster yeah Um, (laughs) okay here we go monster and ipa shake them up make them a little cocktail so i'm just uh i'm we need to talk things out so someone we just can't all agree with each other on every point but i wonder if uh, yeah why (laughs) this could be so fun (laughs) chris fan pod group think but if you have more like system sounds so pejorative when you Mm -hmm. say it mike but when you have like a system that can work, you have to practice it. Oh yeah. And so they have to run the 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 system, or they have to run their their design um, to to perfect it, right? And like, if it's not working, how long do you run it before you just say, "Fuck it, we're gonna throw it yeah. to flowers a bunch of times"? Well, and system's not a dirty word. I mean, like the West Coast offense, like the Niners. Created a system. Well, Bill Walsh. Yeah. And they won Super Bowls with it. Yeah. But over time, what that that offense has turned into, where it's the base offense, but like you've got guys who've completely morphed it. Like things things grow and change over time. And it like it feels to me a little bit like like remember the Rams with Kurt Warner, where the syst- Mike Martz's system came in and blew the world away. But by the end of the second year running that teams were beating the hell out of Kurt Warner because they kind of figured out holes in the system. Right. Yeah. And then Mike Martz could never adjust it. And he was never the same in the NFL. So I guess what I'm saying is it feels like we are, we just, we just do the same thing over and over again. And I know that there are going to be people who watch the game film a lot closer to me. that would be like, that's such a stupid take. We don't do the same thing over and over again. It's like, you're taking me too literally, but it's like, the variety in our play calling doesn't feel like it is mixing things up enough to take advantage of mismatches and our talent. 
And I felt this way in the middle of last year, too. And then they kind of figured it out again. So yeah. maybe they will again. They ran their know. system enough last year, Mike. With <laughs> the players that clicked. Oh, man. And maybe you eat a loss, an ugly loss in the no! middle of the season. They're the, they were the number three team in the nation. Like, we got championship you don't eat a loss like, when do you buy into rankings Mike? bullshit like but that's the thing like, <laughs> so subjective you eat like like the 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 idea that we should keep practicing our system so much that we should be okay eating a loss in a season with championship aspirations well you can't do that too many times <laughs> I mean, listen. Oh, I'm loving this, Luke. You threw him off with the ranking comment. This feels good. This feels good. Oh, Michael. <laughs> no, it's it's such an interesting thing. Like, would they just be better if they targeted three guys, like a predominant number of snaps? And probably not. Like that 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 take on what I'm saying is probably too simple. Would they be better? Only take if... Mike just literally enough for him to be right. Yeah, pretty much, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But but do I think that that teams that have guys that they they go to enough in moments that aren't clutch that they know they can go rely on them in the clutch mm-hmm. are better off? Yeah, I do. Would they be better if Junior had four to six touches per game? Malik had four to six touches per game. I think that an outside observer who recognized the talent that those two have would say, yeah. And a gross one. And like our rushing game was terrible. Flowers, one rush, 25 yards. We never did it again. And I get the argument would be, well, if we do it again, they're going to read it. Well, A, so then it gets blown up and you don't do it a third time. Or B, maybe they don't. Or C, then run a fake. Yeah. You know, which they may have. I mean, but, yeah. Hey, me as a Packers fan, I saw the Jets do it to us like five times today. They scored a touchdown, I think, on one of them. So, you know. Dude, can I drop Aaron Rodgers yet? Yes. Okay. You might want to. <laughs> hey, Aaron Rodgers. I wish Tom we could, Brady, too. All of them. Dude, I heard Burning Man was sweet. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers told me that. <laughs> <laughs> you ever done ayahuasca off the I-90? <laughs> like, he just reminds me of so many kids you met in college who smoke weed for the first time and just, like, never let it go. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm, you know, good for him. <laughs> I'm just so happy he's discovering his happiness. You know, with yeah, me too. In the bank. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, I don't know, Kyle. Kyle no, you can go think? to Burning Man. Sorry, dude. Can will you take me, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I probably have a lot of terrible takes, and people are going to talk about you know. I'm glad you're not, not an intelligent I, not football fan. I actually, of the three of us who are regular hosts of the show, I will say I'm the third on understanding offensive schemes, but. We we owe it to our 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 fans to do due diligence here. Is this an overreaction? It could be. Like yeah. we got we got out coached. That sucks. They it seems came to in fit right into my they, into but, every face. But they they came in with a a great game plan. They executed it. They made tough plays. They got a couple calls yeah. from the refs. You kind of need things to fall in your favor to go into enemy territory and beat a better team. Yeah. And it happens all the time. It happened with Idaho this weekend, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, it's sports. This is why, like, it's the most compelling thing to watch. Whether you're a sports fan or not, it's the best reality TV ever invented, right? Like, anything can happen on any play. Um. 
are we overreacting? Is this just a fluky loss and we're going to recover? Because we're, we'll <clears throat> execute better. We have good playmakers. So, I, th- so I, would, I would say quickly before Mike rapidly tapping his fingers over here. Maybe. But the problem is we don't play Northern Colorado I was just on Saturday. That. It's like that's, that's this isn't Dixie well. State and, and we're going to go to Northern and Colorado. And we don't right. play NAU the week after. We play the two best teams of the conference. And that's a, the tough thing. It's like, could we bounce back and could we go zero and two on this road stretch and look better? Maybe. Hope. I mean. And then what are we are? An unranked playoff fringe team. I mean, we probably will get into the playoffs, but yeah. we lose the next two. Then you assume we win the next two. They've got to win Cat Grizz to get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, pal? Yeah. I mean, these a couple of thoughts. Like, I, I. It's interesting because like last year's offense. It's, they had a clear number one, and that was Sammy. Right. And even then, it still didn't feel like he got the ball as much as he probably should have. No. You know, so like, I don't, I don't think that's a, they don't want to make stars thing. It's just, maybe it's right. just sometimes you just need to recognize the talent that you have. Um, I think Sammy proved pretty quickly he could be a number one. Samori did, definitely, in 2019. Just the, I mean, look at that 2019 offense and just how good they were. In 2021, it's just like, you had this guy who was a number one, you could go to in late game situations, who... No, I think he actually led the team in receptions. Um, but but you always felt comfortable when the ball went up to Sammy, right? Like most of the time, yeah. I think he had a couple of moments that, you know, he had like a couple of weird drops and a couple of like weird situations. I can't remember which game it was specifically, but like he had a couple of weird drops. But like even then, like when he would have like an off moment, he was still reliable and good and deceptively fast. You know, I right. think he reminded us that at the Eastern playoff game and the Northern Colorado game that he could burn anybody, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. it's like, they had that guy still didn't feel like they got on the ball, maybe as much as they should have now kind of to what Mike's points are is like, maybe you need, I, I think at some point you have to define that. Maybe that's a player thing where the players have to step up. I feel like fonts and uh, Bergen could be and Grossman too, you know, really any of them. I mean, Mitch and then Mitch is just reliable. Like if you need six to eight catches a game, he's who you can go to. It's your guy. Yeah. But then to this point about this, bouncing back is exactly what I was thinking of is like the cool or like one of the things they did last year was they responded to the sack loss sack was a really good team we've now seen this Idaho team is a really good team yeah but like you mentioned the future schedule isn't it's brutal. northern Colorado it's, killer. it's not northern Arizona it's those are tough road trips you know the northern Arizona is not an easy road trip but it's not a good team right now you got to go play sack at 9 p.m. mountain time kickoff on ESPN Come back at five in the morning on Sunday. Now get ready for Weber, who might be the best team in the conference. You know, but Weber's going to be coming off the cat game. How are they going to be looking yep. after that tough road trip? Yep. So, the way I think about it is like it wouldn't shock me one bit if the Grizz went in second one. No, yeah, you know, I'd agree with that. Like they, 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 like if they went and did that coming off this loss, I'd be like, you know what? They, they, uh, like it wouldn't shock me in that regard. But on the flip side. This game maybe shows like Sack could, you know, yeah. have a pretty good well, game because Sack I mean, looks unreal right now too. I think Idaho obviously is better than people gave them credit for. Correct, Absolutely. and that's that's where the slides right. It's like Idaho is good, even in this three game stretch, which is the toughest three game stretch we have in the season. Idaho is absolutely the worst of those three teams. You don't think so? Not necessarily that. I, I wouldn't like the absolute worst. And worst is the wrong word because I actually think yeah. they're all good teams. I think they're all going to be playoff teams. Sure. Idaho, with the win over us, their schedule, they're probably a playoff team. 
Oh, they yeah. got sacks. They're only a tough, game, tough team right. left. And they, yeah, they're just. You know, there's something to be said too about teams who come to Missoula who have who play like they have nothing to lose. Yeah, you know, because they don't. You know, I mean. and so I, I don't know. That's a good, but like that, that's like what lies underneath all this is that Idaho. Everyone was like, okay, they're going to be good. We all know that'll be a competitive game. Right. No one expected this. Now this is the conversation because this is like something like, is it a little bit of an overreaction? Maybe because you never know. Because it's not Southern Utah last year. You know no. what I mean? Like if that game was lost, then yikes. You know, give them their one conference, or Oof. maybe even only one of the season, right. but as close as that one was. Um, so, but it's just the stretch. The problem is, is like the stretch is difficult. Last year there was a light at the end of the tunnel because you knew you could play Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, get some momentum. Then they blow the doors off the cats, and all of a sudden, oh, okay, the train's back on the tracks. Yep, yep. You know, so the, the it's just much cloudier now because the opponents are so good. Yeah, which, know? but I mean, like, I. I Yes, I hundred percent believe that they could they could go down and and I mean that's one of the things they've got a really experienced coaching staff and they could absolutely do it. You know, you I'm trying to think of like comparisons. Like, how many times have you seen an offense with a team that went far? Let's just say like let's say semifinal or better team, and this hell this could be any level, but who didn't have go to guys? You know, on offense. And while you're thinking about that, you just see other teams in the conference. Like, look, take Tommy Malott. Before they put him in as a QB and went on their little run, like, the Cats, every game worked him into the offense, and he did everything. And obviously, like, he plays QB, and he has different skills, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, like, you find a way to try and get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and it just feels like our 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 creativity is missing right now. But this coaching staff has shown us before that they can do it and i don't see why they can't figure it out again but i really hope to make some adjustments on that front and that's just it like that's i i feel the exact same way just like you have these dynamic playmakers use them you know like I just, yep at, at it's at its very simple core if you have better athletes they can you know sometimes sometimes it gets overcomplicated. well too, that, that's time. gonna be the hope from this loss right is that there's that stark realization that we've got to like we have these guys that we just need to use them more. They need to be more involved. Yeah, no. I was actually thinking that last year at this time, you know, the the wine started to turn a little bit against Cam Humphrey. And it was like, if only we had a better quarterback. And now that we have a better quarterback and we're having the same conversation, you're kind of making me... Re- maybe, maybe I should revisit some of my Cam Humphrey takes. Ooh. No, no, maybe no. I should revisit... My system defense takes. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I mean, obviously it makes for a good podcast when we take opposite sides, but you can just go ahead and say you agree with me at this point. You just let it go. It feels good. Mike, there's just... a lot of season left. <laughs> I can't agree with you too, too early in this season. See what happens when he opens his monster. I know. Yeah, finally it starts coming around. Um, it's, <laughs> it's been since Physics 2 since I drank a monster. Oh, man. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Um, so only other kind of thing that I wanted to hit on in the bigger picture that applied to this game too, game management was kind of frustrating. And like, I, I, coaches get a challenge in college, right? Yes, they 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 can. Go ahead, I'll let you finish. Yeah, okay. you were at the press conference, right? So just by Bobby's definition, they can challenge. Yes, um, it's just every play is reviewed, yeah. and if there's a questionable call, it's supposed to go up to the replay booth, and yeah. then they'll further review it if. 
it's not, the coach can then call a timeout and challenge. And that, I think, is why he opted not to is because he wants to hang on to the timeout because he thinks he might need it later. Which, I mean, I understand that strategy. This is not the first time in Bobby's tenure that there's been a close call that he just hasn't challenged. In fact, I don't think he's ever coaches challenged something. He said in the postgame that he's like, you can look at the stats on it, but they get overturned like, or they don't get overturned like 97% of the time. So because they review it anyway, he goes, if I burn a timeout to have a 3% probability of getting it overturned, he's like, I'd rather have the timeout. And they didn't get a stop. They got a stop two minutes later. Right. You know. Got to stop. We're not back across midfield on a Bergen return. What does that do for momentum? Like, big momentum swing. Because players, you guys, momentum believers. His play in that moment, in that game, yeah, yes, they needed any glimmer of hope they could have got. But how many momentum opportunities did they let slip? A lot, true. Like, because that's the big thing. Yesterday is they also like Idaho played really, really well, but the Grizz found a lot of ways to screw things up. And as Andrew Schmidt pointed out, on that exact next possession, Bergen had a long kick return, and then. Johnson, Johnson throws a pick. Interception. Yeah. yeah. So. Right. And so you never know. but Because you're, you're right. Momentum swing. You have the ball. I guess that would have been the 35-yard line. 35-ish. Yeah. The Vandal 35. So who knows what is working in that spot. But they also, I don't know, didn't give us a lot on Saturday to make us believe that anything would have been much different. Right. Yep. Right. You know, that's a field goal opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean. But what, what would they have done? Because they, they ultimately got down to that point. I think it was a Keelan White play. Johnson had another one of his scrambles. He got like one yard, and right. then he throws an interception to Moala. But so it's like, well, what would they have run? What would have happened? You know, it just who would have been utilized? I, I, I don't remember what personnel were on the field in that drive, but um, it's just like every other opportunity they had in the game in those situations was just kind of wasted. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, like on a turnover, a turnover for downs, like Halker likes calling the you know a, a one-time shot to the end zone or something. But you talk about make that stop and then you throw a jump ball to Roberts or, or do something like that. And it's, and then it's in the end zone and yeah, I mean, Grizzly and who knows what that game looks like from there, but yeah, it's tough, tough. I just, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on the pod too, but if there's one thing that, that I actually think that there are tons of fans that actually understand more than coaches, (laughs) it's, timeout management and that's a caveat obviously so those, none of those fans are having to do it under the pressure of actually calling a game but I mean like you think of like Andy Reid like the man is terrible with clock management oh, yeah. and timeouts yeah. and he's still a tremendous coach in the NFL Super Bowl winner all this stuff but it's like it's just a absolute fact right. um, and so sometimes I just think that coaches get too by the book with timeouts sure. and there's there's data that says you should be using them differently and we actually let about two minutes run off the clock <laughs> earlier in the fourth quarter where we probably should have used our timeouts then right but kyle is it possible to edit um some footage of that two minutes where you put in Peyton and Eli and Shannon, and you're like, we're going to want to call timeout here, E. <laughs> no, because I can give you one better. We'll just do Marty. Yeah, we'll have Marty Morningwig on there calling timeout for 70 times or whatever it is. Yeah. Now, see, now this probably goes against the point I just made because I feel like 
I love Marty, but probably a much better time management guy in the booth than he was when he was calling the timeouts. Probably so. You know, yeah. yeah. Which just proves the point that under pressure, it's hard to make those decisions. And I just, I think that that how just for that reason, he's just kind of written off challenging because I think you're right. It, it statistically just doesn't buy it. But to me, I mean, Robbie made the play and he immediately put up his hand, and said fourth down. Like I just sometimes there are moments where maybe it's worth. Yeah, because the risk down. reward. Like I mean, yeah, if you don't get it, you lost the timeout. That sucks. But you still stop the clock in the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, it's not the worst outcome. Right. But if you get it, who knows? Who knows? And that's where the analytics, I mean, this element where he's mentioned like 97% of times they do challenge doesn't work, you know, when they, it is reviewed or whatever it was. Because, I mean, I wonder how much that's in your head where you're like, well, you know, they didn't review it. Maybe they had a better camera angle, you know, like right. as a coach, you know, from his perspective, maybe sure. just thinking sure. that's yeah. going to happen. If, you, if you're Alabama, Tennessee, right, you're like, there are 98 camera angles. Oh, yeah. They right. got yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. we don't. We like, two, right. But they're like, well, yeah. maybe they just don't have the right camera angle. Yeah. And that could be true because it's, especially plays that aren't directly on the center, like you're, you're at an angle one way or the other. They don't, right. They don't, unless your guy happens to be right there. Right. You know, you don't really have like the end zone shot. Right. And, and even then, it's like the handheld camera we have on the field can't be in Idaho's visitor box. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. on the line. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the best angle. Because it is bizarre too because like rewatching it, one of the camera angles, it kind of looks almost like he kind of gets it. Yep. But then the other, it's like, well, there's no way. And then the end zone long shots, you're like, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. You know, so. I feel like we could solve this problem. Like, I, like we have the technology, right? Couldn't we have like a sensor in the football? <laughs> yes. Funny enough, someone tweeted that at me yesterday. Did they? Yeah, my old coworker, Mike Shirting, tweeted that at me. He's a huge soccer fan, and he pointed out soccer games yep. always they have a system that shows whether the ball is fully in the net huh. or fully don't, across the don't, line. Doesn't, don't hockey pucks have this too or don't they have it some sort be. of uh, that I don't know but soccer because soccer it's like VR is that what it is, VR. is what, yeah and so like yeah. soccer you like watch the World Cup or whatever it is and they like have the camera they have like a GPS tracker or whatever right. and he tweeted that and he's like how in 2022 haven't we figured out how to do that um, on a football field right I mean goal line and first down that seems to seem to make Really good sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe they, maybe it's just drama, right? Like, we love the ambiguity. Like, secretly, it's like, it creates so much more tension to argue about these things. Well, just like baseball, right? I mean, people fought challenges in baseball forever, even though everyone was like, well, robot umps are like, we need challenges yeah. in baseball, but then it wouldn't yeah. happen. We're like, oh, but we need something to complain about later. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so just, but, I mean, I, I, it is, I mean, it just seems kind of odd, does. In this day and age that we just can't have, like, the one defining technology piece. I also think we have, like, the the engineering ability. Like, sometimes when the field goals are so high, you can't really tell if they go, like, inside or outside the uprights because right. they're too high. Like, couldn't we just add 30 feet to the uprights? We, we like could, the... Yeah, right? Because yeah. sometimes the field, the field goes over the upright it's yeah, like too sure. high and yeah. you're like was that in or out and it's like why don't we make them taller could but I don't know why because did you see them get torn down <laughs> at Alabama Tennessee they become more a lot of a weapon longer goal yeah. to pull out of the stadium <laughs> a lot of people, field goal 
field goal post makers are thinking about this. Okay. They they think about how they can be used as weapons <laughs> when drunk college kids get a hold of them. So, like you know, because you never know what's going to happen. Liability <laughs> consideration when they come down. Like, hey, that, we're sorry that you can't tell if this was over the post or not. But like, what if it gets torn down? What if like, an what if it dead. hits someone's car yeah. on the street? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, like what if you're a Burning Man and someone's got a field goal post and things get weird? It's just you never know. So it just. <laughs> Just keep looking at Brent's oh, sweatshirt. Packers run the north, and I just ran the north. Ran the north, ran. yeah. Last tense. Not doing a. You, you know, I really like you. We're obviously good friends, and I enjoy hanging out with you. You really are great target demographic for sports marketing. I am. Oh, like I buy. You're like, hey, shit. that's an awesome sweatshirt. I'm buying it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. like I'm not, I'm not gonna argue this at all. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm that guy when you're rolling through Facebook, and you're like, who the hell buys this crap? It's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's a safe space for gifts, though, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'll wear whatever people give me. Um, so whatever, you know, free swag, <sighs> free ninety nine, man, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, anything else on game specific from I'm, Idaho worth worth talking about? I mean, I'm good tying a bow on this. I think, I mean. X probably announced himself as one of the better yeah. and actually, coaches I, in this conference. He's on my list, so I want to bring him up before we move on to the rest of the big sky. Yeah. But just wanted to finish talking about everything else. I yeah, so I, I think what will be interesting is Dan Hawkins had a hell of a first year, too, at Davis. Beat us. Um, hasn't duplicated that since. Um, I think X probably a better coach than him, or at least has shown to be at least this year so far. Yeah, but, this time. I also think it's easier to get guys to go to Idaho than Davis. Which might be controversial Ooh. because of Davis is in California, but Davis's academics are really high. Yeah, and if you are qualifying for Davis, Luke disagrees. You're why you're going to go a lot of other places. Luke disagrees. All these universities have like exceptions on who they can admit. All right, uh, and I know this for I know this for real. And every time someone says this NFL player is so smart. They went to Stanford. I'm like, eh. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. We don't know about Prove it. their overall. Prove it. <laughs> we don't know about their it's overall intelligence. <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> but yeah, you see this all the time. You're like, oh, this guy's so smart. He went to Stanford, or he went to like wherever, and we then superimpose intelligence on a person because they went to a school. And they may probably did get into that school because you can give away so many exceptions. Like we can accept up to like one percent of the stu- total student body for no reason whatsoever. Okay. And they use those exceptions for like, oh, you were a felon, right? But like, clearly you've been rehabilitated so we'll let you in right but they also do it if hey you can you're gonna be a first round lottery pick you can come play at Notre dame or this prestigious university uc davis can give away these spots to football players and athletes and i think they oftentimes do uc davis accepted this rate 46 percent idaho 81 percent but 46 percent a little known fact about me when i worked on campus I was I sat on the admissions review board, so everybody who had a felon had to turn in special and Mike, information. Mike red stamped them all. We had to. So I, <laughs> I was really young. It was like my I was a young professional. And I was like really hardcore until like one of the law professors who was also on this like 
explained a couple things to me. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I didn't know what an Alfred plea was at the time. Oh, yeah. So then I always thought of you. Actually, I still think of you whenever I hear that. Uh, Mostly because, you know, I want you to stay out of trouble. Listen, so. you can admit you did something with, <laughs> without I'm not taking guilt. guilt, but I'm just saying you've got, you're probably going to convict me. Yeah. That's what, yeah. <laughs> Side note. Um, Idaho, two little bits of information. Mm-hmm. The Grizz have won two national championships. Neither year have they been undefeated. In 1995, they lost to... Idaho. Idaho. So, as a friend of the pod, my buddy Colt said today, he said to tell your podcast listeners that the sun came up this morning. Yeah. So, here we are. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet, but we shouldn't talk about Idaho anymore. Who's his source? <laughs> who's, who's his son guy? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Got to double check everything, Mike. But Come just, on now. just saying that we're not going to talk about Idaho anymore. I mean the game. Because we actually tweeted it out from the pod today. I love how passionate Eck is. Yeah. And how he engages with the fans. Like, it's huge. He, he was on social media last night yep. and he had the little brown stein at the corner at club. The corner club, is right? Like their Mo Club, you know, and they get really offend, offended if we draw comparisons. But I mean, that's. Super That's to Moscow. What or Moscow? What what the Corner Club is is to Missoula. What the Mo Club is like, you know the it's, it's huge. Yeah, like I just that was the first thing that stood out to me about him was he was doing those road reports. He'd be like, "We're out recruiting. I'm out here and wherever, you yeah. know, shoot a little Twitter video, post mm-hmm. it." And I'm like, I, "You have to do that." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. especially if you're trying to re-energize a fan base, a program, because yep. recruits see this. Like oh, yeah. that's the thing. It's just like it just. Ignoring the fact that social media is such a huge part of recruiting is just you are behind. Nope. You know, I just and like it just and it seems like Eck gets it, and I think that's huge. For, yeah. I think that's a huge part of this because when you have a, a coach who has a personality and a sense of humor about it, it energizes fans, players, and um, that's how recruits yeah. find it. Yep. And there's obviously not one way to do any of this stuff, but right. it's like you're definitely showing the showing the players like, hey, you're going to get to be yourself because I'm myself. You know. You live within the rules, but you're out there having fun. And in 2022, like that's attractive. And and to that point, you know, you talk about recruits. Um, Idaho has struggled to recruit Idaho for years. Like there have been many years where Montana, Montana State, well, Montana had just or as many Washington. Idaho kids yeah. as yeah. Idaho did. Um, they got a commit today from a kid who had an offer from the University of Montana. And they were they were, the guys in the thread were pumped about it because they're like every year, including last year, this kid chooses Montana, you know, or Eastern Washington, or Eastern Washington. Yeah, but we got him, and like that's what that's what that can do. And obviously, big win, people get excited. But I mean, like the the um, the Idaho administration must be thrilled with their hire because even if he has this season and has fun and then flames out. He still has moved them a step forward in kind of that rebuilding process yep. and getting those fans back after the drop down to FBS where they lost a lot of their fans. Right. So I mean, maybe right guy, right time, but good for him. And I've I've actually really enjoyed it. And I, as much as I hated losing it, and I really hate losing, it was kind of fun to watch him. Yeah. On social media, and like, well, like he, he take, went. Could you imagine Bobby taking this? The little brownstein down to the Mo Club. 
I could see him so doing it. So here's the thing. Like, but yes, but he would never... He would never post never it on social, social media. Yeah. Or whatever, and yeah. he would probably say, well, there's a lot more trouble can come of that. And, you know, Missoula is a bigger place than, than Mos- Moscow, Idaho. So maybe he's right. But, I mean, you certainly... you you Eck got some engagement. And then all these Idaho alum who love the Corner Club or whatever. Is that Corner Club? Yeah. Yeah. Who aren't in Idaho anymore. And it's like they see the tweet from the coach who they right now just love. at the, And it's just like, you know. I mean, Lane Kiffin does it. Yeah. You know. Like yeah. there's coaches in the FBS at large schools yeah. who do the same thing. Yeah. And you know? Idaho was raising money last night. Mm-hmm. For their for their uh, scholarship association, I don't know what it's called, yeah. but they posted about it at one point. And it's like all that goes hand in hand, and then you see recruits seeing it. It's just like you know, and obviously we are successful. We raise money, we bring in recruits. So it's like there's more than one way to do things, but it is kind of fun to see for sure. Yep. So here's Idaho's remainder schedule versus Portland State at SAC versus Eastern versus Davis at Idaho State. I mean, if the Idaho team that showed up in Washington Grizz yesterday shows up, at worst, they have one loss in there. And that's like, so SAC has to play us. They play Cats? Is is no. No. is their game with SAC at SAC or at Idaho? Yes, at SAC. Okay. So they get Grizz, SAC, back-to-back. Yeah. Okay. They got this gap. Well, they got Portland State in between. Oh, Portland right. State yeah, this weekend. That's right. SAC next. But so SAC comes off our game and then hosts Idaho. Idaho. So, I mean... Say if SAC drops one in Idaho, I mean, I don't know. That could be that inside track for that. Like, you always have that school that like does like they don't play MSU, they don't play Weber. Yeah, they get Davis. I mean, they're seven and one in conference. They might have a great chance at the conference here. If they're seven and one in conference, but lose the SAC, are they are they a seed? Yeah, probably. That'd be a three loss team. I mean, like I get that people are saying, well, you can't hold the FBS losses against them, sure, but you also can't give them a win. Yeah. So they, there's a three-loss team is a tough seed. I think you can. It's easier to ignore with theirs because they were close-ish. Yeah. You know, especially the Wazoo game. You know. Yeah. Because like if they got game. right, like the the Bobcats game against Oregon State's tough to ignore because they got blown out by fifty or whatever it was. Right. Even though like at the same time, like Oregon State's yeah. not Oregon State last year. Like they were fine. Like and it's an FBS team. Um. But you know it's interesting because then they beat montana they beat davis at home mm-hmm. it's a couple of good wins what's actually and what's also kind of just and, and it's gonna it's all gonna shake out in the next few weeks but it's like the best single conference win of any team in this conference was what idaho did here yeah. like no one else has yet to play another team with a winning record in the conference right um but like we just saw the power rankings and Idaho's four or something like that. And, you know, and it's like Sacks beating the hell out of everyone. Maybe they should be because they're undefeated, but it's like in terms of conference achievements, Idaho has the best one um, coming in here and winning and in a pretty strong fashion. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating rest of the year. I mean, this week's going to be fascinating just with the two games. Yeah. 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 Because what if the Grizz go beat Sack and – then we, I mean, really, any result from the Weaver Cats game is. I mean, know. we're gonna, we're gonna go from, we're gonna go from what four teams that are undefeated in conference, and two are gonna drop out of that, just by no, 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 one. If the Grizz, if one the of Grizz them will win. drop out. If, sure, the Grizz, if the Grizz, yeah, win, right, right, two, right, yeah, yeah. So, 
Well, this seems like a good time to transition, Brent, into like what Sac's going to look like. Yeah. Um, so Sacramento State is – what's up, Mike? Is there, did anything else happen in the Big Sky this week that we need to talk about? Around the conference? I, I mean, mean, I've got this up in front of me. I mean, nothing, Idaho State yeah. beat Cal Poly. No one cares. Montana State was down for a little bit, but then kind of did their thing and put it Northern Colorado, Colorado almost beat the spread, though. Almost. Almost beat the spread. <laughs> Weber State stomped Portland State. Sac State – Eastern made it a game for a little bit, right? 21-0 and then 21-21 yeah. and then winds up winning 52-28. And Davis just that's what smokes NAU. So, yeah. so many points. All right. And they, like, I don't, like, I don't remember them really having much of a run game last year. Maybe I just blanked it. Sack? Yeah. It felt like they have, it felt like they were pass heavy. Well, they had the passing QB and the running QB. And right. we expected the running QB more and then they passed on us. But the really... running QB passed on us too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, right. But it's like, I did, in again, game, with the underneath stuff. Right. On their game against, uh, what, Eastern, didn't they run for like 300 yards, 336? Is that yeah, the number I saw? I think so. Like, it just, that but to me but seems but like an element they didn't have last year. But we've been told Eastern's defense is terrible. Well, so, that, yeah, but yeah. Um, it always is. What are the other games next week, real quick? Okay, so uh, other games, I know we kind of clipped through them quickly with James, but obviously the two big games are, are Grizz and Sack, Cats and Weber. Uh, Portland State goes to Idaho. NAU plays Idaho State. Um, I guess. Should we pick these so, over here? So, so Portland State goes to Idaho. I think we'll Idaho. All, we're all picking Idaho. All right. Uh, NAU goes to ISU. <laughs> I mean, ISU's home, so maybe ISU. I don't know. The NAU's so weird. They should be better than they are. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll say NAU. Why not? I'll say Idaho State. <laughs> Right. They, they have a player that they throw to a bunch. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they scheme for him. Uh, UC Davis goes to Northern Colorado. I'm going to pick Northern Colorado. I'm going to say Davis. I'm going to say Northern Colorado. <laughs> Eastern goes to Poly. Battle of one and fives. I mean, I, I think Eastern's going to win that I think that Eastern game. should win that. But, I mean, you know, maybe Polly, maybe Bobo will have it all home. worked up at home against his old team. Uh, 6-0 Weber goes to 6-1 Montana this, State. This is the game of the week. Um, Montana State's going to win. Oh, I think Weber's going to win. What do you think's going to happen? I have no idea. I, I'm really impressed by Weber. Yeah. Like, I mean, they boat raced Utah State, and that was – and the Mountain West sucks. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they put, them on, put it on them. I just – I think that Weber State will have by far the best defense that MSU has faced. So I think it'll be interesting to see if they can make them one-dimensional or not. That doesn't necessarily mean that Montana State still can't win because they run for a ton of yards and score a ton of points. I wonder, though, if um, Montana State's defense will make Weber's offense look okay. MSU number one rushing offense in the conference, 281 yards a game. Weber State, number two rushing defense in the game, eighty uh, number two rushing defense uh, in the Big Sky with 88 yards allowed per game. Montana's number one still at 76. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild game. Weber is the second highest, uh, second best defense overall. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's that's and again Weber, yeah they. They've had a few teams move on them a little bit here and there, but not not consistently. So that game's going to be something else. I think like the home field advantage maybe a little bit for MSU. I would lean to the Cats mm-hmm. on this. All right. All right. We've done what we need to do on that. Let's okay. talk about the game that people want to talk about. 
Sacramento State. Uh, these guys are allegedly pretty good. <laughs> I haven't seen anything about them. I'm yeah. Um, okay, so Sac's undefeated. Uh, their wins are Utah Tech, Northern Iowa, Colorado State, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, and Eastern Washington. So they have not beat a team with a winning record. Uh, I guess just like us. <laughs> so their closest is you and I, who's three and four right now. Uh, when you start diving into their numbers, I mean, they have the number one scoring offense in the conference. They score 48 points per game. They've got the number three scoring defense. Um, they are stat monsters. The, they are averaging 510 yards per game offense. 275 rushing average, 245 passing. Um, they have the same system, so they probably have, I would venture, either the 1A or 1B Offensive player of the year so far in this running back, Cameron Scatabo. Um, kid's got 740 rushing yards. He's averaging 123 a game. He's the rushing leader in the conference by far. Um, he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. I mean, this kid's a beast, he's and he's huge. physical. And I mean, he this is, is something we didn't get into, but you know, what's it's just great that they're letting their sophomore, who's got the talent, play a lot. Oh know? yeah. <laughs> is that a system thing? Hey, is that a system? Thing? I have a question. Fire away. I'll let you finish. Go for it. You got it. What's up with their quarterbacks? So they have two. And it's the same we saw before. So it's um, Jake Dunaway, number 12. And and he's he's the passing QB. But, you know, he averages 150 a game. Mm -hmm. um, 11 touchdowns, four four interceptions. And then uh, number 10, which is Asher O'Hara. And Asher actually is the fourth leading rusher in the conference right now, statistically. But he also passes for about 50 a game, and he's thrown four touchdowns, So they have too. the first and fourth leading rushers. Yeah, and one's a running back and one's a quarterback. But that's like the wild thing, and that's they got us with this last year at homecoming because they're like, okay, here comes number 10. You know what they're going to do? And I think he – I'd have to go back and pull it up, but I feel like he threw a touchdown against us. I think I, maybe not. I, I felt like I thought he had goal. some like. But he threw against us. us. Yeah. Like he he threw against like us. Like surprised us a little bit in a leap at the goal line. That was crazy. Yeah. I've seen a quarterback really do that. I mean, so you know, so that in theory, when twelve is taking the snap, it's going to be handing it to number four or passing most likely. And when ten's in, more often than not, kid's going to be running the ball. But. You've got to respect his passing ability in the game as well, too. So it's just kind of funny because there's this thing about dual QBs, and if you have two QBs, you have none and all this stuff. But SAC won the conference last year with it, and they're tops of the conference with the best offense in the conference with it this year so far, too. There's an exception to every rule, and that's for sure. So, yeah, that's – trying to pull up this box score from last year because I – there's yeah, so Asher O'Hara just had 75 passing yards. Eight for nine passing, though. I mean, <laughs> so God is pretty good. Um, their leading receiver is a tight end. 6'2", uh, 210. I think Hayden Hatton was 6'2", 205. So I got a feeling uh, number 16, Marshall Martin, they're going to probably be doing a <laughs> lot with him of what Idaho did with Hatton and probably trying to get this guy lined up on someone named not Justin Ford. And uh, sending them down the field. So it's pretty wild. Um, they got that big number 84 who's been there for a few years, Pierre Williams. Um, Is he the one who scored twice last year against the Grizz? I think so. He's, that's what I'm trying to remember. Him, that kid was He back. was like their dude last year, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So Pierre Williams, he didn't score twice. It was Jared Gibson. But Pierre Williams had 
uh, 97 yards. So oh. he had the, the bulk of the receptions. Because Gibson's gone, right? Gibson's gone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and then the wild thing, like, when you look at them defensively, like, they don't, like, like we have, like, you look at our defense, it's like, oh, there's Pat O'Connell, and there's Robbie Houck, there's all these guys with numbers. They don't have, like, big stack guys. Uh, they got this Armin Bailey. It's a linebacker. They've got two corners that are number two and number three in the league and pass deflections, but they don't have a lot of – they don't have, like, one guy that's, like, done a whole bunch of stuff. Um, they have the second lowest amount of sacks defensively, and their pass defense is not the best. Um, sometimes, though, you could argue some of these things. I think they maybe gave up some big passing yards in games where the games were over. So um, they are the second most penalized team in the conference. I don't know if that means anything, but it's fascinating. Um, one of the best red zone offenses and uh, third best in time of possession. So we just came off Idaho, who's the best time of possession team, to make sure your offense has nothing to do with the, with the game. Sack's going to be right there doing the same thing. Um, interestingly, too, they, they it seems like they do give up yards kind of between the 20s because they do have – uh, the second-best scoring red zone defense in the conference. Interestingly, the third worst is the Grizz, but the Grizz have only had allowed nine trips in where they've allowed, like, 16 or 17. But what was interesting, like, when I looked at, when I looked at SAC, it was like, and just kind of pulling a couple of their games out, um, Utah Tech passed for 500 yards on them. UNI passed for 270, Cal Poly 281, Eastern 370. None of the teams really ran on them too well. Um, it's really hard to come off what we just saw against Idaho and be like, the money's in the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it feels like that's where it is. But again, Utah Tech and Poly were like completely down and out by like halftime in their games. So what are you going to do? You're going to chuck it around. You're against backups. So the thing that's a tough read is like, is it a bad pass defense or is it just bad backups? I'm not sure. But, you know, so it seems like with SAC, um, you know, knowing that I just, you know, trying to contain this this tight end that's going to come at us just like what Idaho did with their, their kid hat. And, and then um, just the way they run this ball. The Scatabo kid. I mean, have, have you guys watched any of, his, any of their games? No. This kid's a bruiser. I mean, he just – I watched the UNI game, and he just – he loves contact. Um, I mean, it's – I'd have to go look up his his size, but you remember like how like Dan Moore would just love to like run people over. Um, the, this is the Scatabo kid. Just that's his thing. Like just you know, Lord, <laughs> five ten, two hundred and twelve pounds. <laughs> so, so tank. his center of gravity gravity somewhere below his knees. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, and that's like the thing. That's like. And it's the wild thing with this team, this Sacramento team, is, um, you know, you take him away, but you still got Asher O'Hara. You're going to have the two of them on the field at the same time. So we're going to see a lot of offense that could mirror some stuff the Cats do. And then Dunaway comes in, and he's a highly efficient and a good quarterback. Um, big, you know, big uh, big possession receivers. And uh, just kind of a grind-you-out team again. So, you know, and, yeah, it's – Shit, what is it, 9 o'clock at night in Sacramento um, on ESPN? They'll probably have a handful of fans there. 
I know I teased them the other week about all 300 fans ran for a tweet treat, and I got God, I tweets about all their 10,000 fans that made the game. And, like yeah. random fan bases get upset with you. They're pissed. Yeah, you do it more than people realize. Like people think you're this kind of like nice, gentle guy. And yeah, no. it's like you can be ice cold. I can't. Like, you be had if a tweet this week at MSU who was bragging about their volleyball record crowd <laughs> against the Grizz. And it's like, oh. I just want to know who won the game. Glad so many people <laughs> showed up to watch us win or something. They set a record oh. and they lost. Anyway. I mean, Sac's good teams. Uh, they're the same team we saw last year in the same regards of design system and everything. It's all the same coaches. We know um, you know, Taylor's the head coach. Uh, DC is former Grizz. Um, his name just escaped me completely. Awesome. Um no, uh, Andy, Andy Thompson. Thompson. Andy Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, sorry. So Paulson's uh, on the staff, though, isn't he? I think so. Yep. Yeah. And so they've had our numbers. You know, um, since his return, Bobby's not beaten Sack, right? Nope. So, um, but the big sky's not better than it was last time. Right. Like Taylor's what eighteen to one conference games. Eighteen to one conference games. He hasn't had the toughest of conference schedules, no. but still, I mean, beating the Grizz twice. I don't think yeah. they played the Cats, right? Or they played the Cats in twenty nineteen. Yeah, because they had the quarterback, yeah. like twelfth year quarterback, playing. Oh yeah, oh, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah, the guy they went to Washington. Yeah, <laughs> but they beat because oh, yeah. they, they. I think Kevin they, Thompson. They beat the Cats in Bozeman, I think. They did, I think. And then played the Grizz two weeks later after off a of bye or something like that. Right. Was, I had just hopped on K-Pax at that point, so that's why I remember that very obscure <laughs> moment of time. And I mean, as much as we've got a brutal schedule too, you like you look at this for them. They got us. They got Idaho. They've got then they go to Weber. So Sac's got a grueling three weeks in front of them as well too. We're on the front end of it, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. So um, this is gonna be tough. This is gonna be a damn tough game. I think this was something. I mean, we talked about this before we started previewing the whole season that these two games would be the hardest too, and you definitely feel like. Bobby and the staff definitely really wants to have this game, but then you kind of come off this Idaho game, and it just kind of... And the ISU game before. And the ISU game, it just kind of throws you for a full loop. Like, what are we getting into? I mean, there's two outcomes. And the one is they get motivated, the team gets pissed, they know what they let slip away, but at the same time, they've got the whole season in front of them. Right. You know, get this monkey off their back, go out and, and win. And I could see it. Me too. I, I, it, I would not be shocked. I don't think it will happen. Um, I mean, Sack is scoring so much. Like, So let's just say we hold them to 37 as opposed to you know, the 50-plus they seem to put up every other week. They've do scored you, 37 once. <laughs> do you think that our offense scores 37 points? The offense we've seen the last two games? Sack's got a bad defense. I think when the Grizz are firing on all, all cylinders, they could score fifty points. Yeah, because the, the the defense and can we put them seen in all year. So it's like they could do that. Yeah, the defense could put them in you know short field positions so many times that mm-hmm. that they score a lot of touchdowns. Who's yeah. the best defense that Sack has faced so far this year? Uh I venture it's probably Northern Iowa. Where they not, scored 37 points. They're not great this year. No, they're not. Um, that'd be the thing. So if if Sack had their lowest point output on the year, 37, 
the most their defense is allowed is that Utah Tech game, which is the opening week game of 33. So it would be a new standard for their defense to give up more than five scores, effectively. I'm trying – like – from your guys' perspective, what do you think is the best offensive games the Grizz have had? Is it Portland State and Indiana State? Those are probably the best two of the year. Probably. When you look, but at they like, weren't like overly Portland consistent. State. But yeah, I mean, they would have to be because I don't, I don't actually think that there's a game where they've really looked fantastic on offense all year. So it's like if you look at those two, do you think those offenses is how, if that carryover exists? You know, Indiana State's probably the model you'd look at more because it's a road game, right? And and they looked good, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't like you said, like the home run hitting, like the blow your mind stat. Like they they still ran the ball well, but I don't think it was like one. It was like four guys ran for like fifty yards or something. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that's yeah. They were doing that. It was like yeah, everyone had like eleven touches and fifty yards or right. something. Like and that. you know, yeah. some of that's kind of skewed too because it's like when Johnson takes off, it's like that adds to the rushing. Big time. You know, it, 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 it's a part of the run game, but you know, it's not like a design mm-hmm. sometimes right i mean that's that's that grizz offense you need is that indiana state portland state type of performance but it's going up against an incredibly more talented defense and in those two games indiana state and portland state scored 14 and 16 points and we're going up against an offense that's is averaging upper 40s mm-hmm. you know so this it's tough to say, but I mean, it, it, you need like the perfect game, and it's really hard coming off the complete opposite to just think that they're going to be able to roll that out. The one thing that maybe leads it is uh, Sac State's defense has looked suspect, and maybe that's what the Grizz need to get back on track, get some confidence, and then the defense, you know, plays with the energy they've been playing and gets buoyed by the by the offense actually kind of putting some stuff up for him. Like, that's going to be the formula. I mean, Idaho argued that we didn't play anybody and they came in here and shocked us, or we felt shocked because we played them who had actually, like, seen some people. Granted, it was higher up, right? Could you have that same argument here? That, like, SAC has played a bunch of crap teams. They beat Colorado State, but Colorado State's awful, awful. Might be the worst college football team in America right now. Yeah, right? So, uh, you know, and then they've kind of had – they had that kind of like weird sloppy up down game with Eastern and they let Utah Tech pass for 500 on them and they had kind of a tight game that went well into the fourth quarter with you and I so they're not some superhuman team this isn't Georgia I guess normally I'd say Bama but after this week you know but like this isn't just like well Georgia has but you know what I'm saying it's just there there's chances here this doesn't feel like it's the impossible task it's just They've got to completely flush what we've seen in these last two Grizz games against Idaho and Idaho State and play what they were doing before to to have a chance at it. I think this Grizz team gets up for big opponents and they and they seem to sink to the level of, you know, bad opponents. Which is a problem. Yeah. And maybe like lies at a level too deep for me to like psychoanalyze. But For that reason, I think they're going to take this week seriously and coming off a loss, they're going to be really hard on themselves and the preparation is going to be on point. So this might be the best. I think we we wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the best we've seen the Grizz all season. All right. I agree. I think, I mean, that's spot on. Like if they like turned right around and came back, like 
And I just I look at last year's schedules, the model, just because Sac State, world's falling. Again, the schedule wasn't as difficult, but right. they still responded. Yeah. You know, re-beat Eastern in the playoffs, beat the Cats. Um, so we've seen it. Just how will they do it against better opponents? I wonder about the atmosphere. If they're like what this will actually do, like fan wise for Sac State, like what it will look like. I know they were giving you a bunch of crap, but like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like will will they like draw an interesting fan base? Personally, I don't think whatever they do draw is going to affect Montana much because Montana already there'll plays. I think be a good contingent of Montana fans. I think there's yeah. be I do too. Two thousand like, to twenty five hundred Grizz fans are too. Yeah. yeah, totally. And like, and I and I, even if it was like a crazy environment, I don't think that really would affect them that much. If anything, I think it might kind of get the Grizz going a little bit, you know what I mean? Because they're used to crowd noise. Like, yeah. it's not anything new. So, I, I am kind of curious what that's going to look like. And But if it happens, how will that affect SAC, you know, to have, like, a, a crowd there, you know, on national TV, you know, because that's always in the back of their minds. Plus, you know, it's odd for the Grizz because they're sitting around all day on Saturday to play, you know, and I know that's tough sometimes to overcome. So, how will they handle that? Yep. Nerves, things like that. Um but it's like on the flip side, yeah, they could totally respond and find some weaknesses here because, like you mentioned, like their defense has some holes in it. You know, it's not right. like Weber State, like as like a unit looks so complete. Where Sac, you're like, yeah, Yo, you know, last year they had suspect moments. Yeah, you know, there's no reason to think that's not the case this year. Yeah, it feels like Sac kind of covers up some defensive inefficiencies with the best offense in the conference. And if you're averaging 510 yards a game and scoring near damn near 50 a game, you can. You can probably allow 300 passing, and it's not going to be that big of a deal, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the thing that I look at, like, the other game that, like, reminds me of, like, Luke, that you talked about was 2019 when we went to Davis. Because Davis was ranked fourth in the nation. That's um, a good that's Grizz a good had... You're more than just a pretty face, Luke. Yeah. Um, we just <laughs> we, we just played Monmouth, who actually went to the playoffs that year, if I remember correctly. But it was kind of a... We won 47-27, but we gave up a lot of yards. And it was just yeah. slinging it. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was awesome. And it was just kind of, eh, you know, it was like it was, people were kind of coming off this. And so then it's like, we we're going to lose. Yeah. And it was like next week, okay, we are playing the number four team in the nation. We're in California. This is like, this is not good. And I mean, that game was over in the third quarter. Grizz just kicked their ass. It was the Pat O'Connell breakout game, wasn't it? I think and it he was. He had like two sacks in that game or something. Might have been. I can pull the box. But yeah, so I mean, there's your roadmap. Yeah. We've, this, this, this coaching staff, oh, not man. a lot of these you players. Feel a little bit better. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that still going to pick sack, but so that, that game, makes me feel that game, like, like there's a chance. Dalton Sneed passes for 270 and throws five touchdowns. Marcus Knight runs for 90. Dalton Sneed runs for 80. Uh, Drew Turner runs for 50. Uh, Grizz put up 260 on the ground. Like So we got 268 passing, 260 rushing. And defensively, Pat O'Connell has one sack. Uh, but uh, I think we had a couple interceptions, and we knocked QB around a whole bunch, and, yeah, finished it. And so, like, done it before. Um, and that was coming – but, again, uh, I don't know. That Davis team that year, I don't – did they make the playoffs then that year? I can't remember. Who was the quarterback? Was it Jake Mayer? Was yeah. he the quarterback that year? That yeah, was. Yeah. He was, like, the preseason offensive player of the year. He was, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I Mayer, Meyer, Mayer, Meyer. Yeah. yeah. He might not have. Yeah, it was. He was. He played that year. But Snead had a five touchdown passing game. But yeah, so I mean, that's that's a big day. Hit Braden Deming for one of them. Yep. Huh. Or uh, Br- uh, Bryson. Bryson. Yes. 
So yeah. Davis did not go to the playoffs. Sir. No, Davis did not go to the playoffs. Because they they lost three of their last four. The Grizz kind of knocked them off. The yeah, the Grizz knocked them off, and then then away they slid. And honestly, before playing us, it's not like they had a long stretch or any big signature wins either. They beat San Diego and Lehigh and had a close game against NDSU. All right. So, that's sack. So, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about the game. I think we just need to see what happens. I mean, based on the last two weeks, it's who knows what Grizz team shows up. So, round two, it sounds like you don't believe in systems and you believe in systems now. (laughs) So, reverse roles here. So Mike's basically saying, hey, don't change anything. They're going to win. And you're saying, no, throw it to Junior Bergen 15 times a game. Oh, that's, that's I'm saying I'm based later. on previous uh, that's, that's what I'm performance. No, I'm going to get in front of this narrative. And, uh, Your narrative is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so I've already got the headline in my mind. Like We're just we're going to start spinning this before. Uh, on the pod that's going to drop, there's some heat being thrown between Mike Nugent and Luke Alford. So. I don't know, People guys. Are talking I, about it. I'm a believer still. I don't think this. I think this was an anomalous game against Idaho. Last year, we were arguably right, like the third best team in the country, and I think we got better. When this team comes to play, when their mind is right and they have to be motivated this week, you know they're embarrassed. They're going to come prepared mentally. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're there physically. I don't think we have any lingering injuries. It's going to be a night game on ESPN. Bobby lost last year to this team. And the year you know? before. And the year before. He's going to be really personally motivated. Yeah. And when he's personally motivated and the players are motivated, um, I think a lot of magic can happen. So I, I think they're going to win this game. Are you? They're not going to win this game, guys. Michael. I mean, like, I, I will love it if they do. I will be cheering my head off. The fan in me hopes they do. I want to believe what Anything you're saying. Anything can happen, And what Mike. Brent Kool-Aid is going to ch- spill here in a second. I want to believe it. So I'll Anything be Anything can happen. Have you watched the last two games? Have, where did your pixie dust go, Mike? Kyle. Kyle. If Lucas Johnson scores against Idaho State and make it 35-6, do we feel differently about the Idaho State game? I think that we feel differently, but we also recognize that like there were some problems. Because I don't know how much... like Yes, Idaho State made it to a point where they needed to kick an onside. No, I don't, I, mean? I, I don't think the Idaho you know, State game was as close as... Right. I, that's not my narrative. My narrative was played like shit. Right, they, and they, there were some struggles for sure. Um, yeah. I feel like really negative today, and that's just really not me. Well, you could pick the grid. I feel more happy if you did. I didn't mean to bring this energy here, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm struggling. (laughs) Like, I just it it like like I said earlier. Like, if they won, if like if what you guys are talking about is like the roadmap, if they, I would not be surprised. So I have no confidence in my pick, but I just we got some things to figure out. Yeah. What do you think? Luke, I kind of leaned to you, man. I, I, I still think shock. I'm mean, shocked, shocked, right? Shocked. shocked. <laughs> I think this. <laughs> Britt Wahlberg picked the Grizz to win. No way. 
I, th- I think the Grizz are going to do this. I think um, we've seen quite frequently how coach teams bounce back from bad losses. They bounce back from bad stretches as well, too, where they have to kick a field goal to beat a D2 school and then go on the road the next week and lose, and then they f- kind of figure stuff out and turn around and go. I don't think this is going to be a-, a perfect game, but I think you've got some things going. Like Idaho's same argument that they had against us last week, that they have not – Sack has not played – a defense like ours. Um, obviously, we've talked about some of these challenges defensively um, that the Grizz kind of keep sticking with. But I just I, I feel like they're the senior, the the leadership, the experience, the edge that this team can bring back. That maybe this loss will kind of hopefully right a lot of the ship and kind of bring back what we saw earlier this season from this team. I think it's going to be a close one. I could see a. 42-38 type game, something like that. Um, I could also see something super weird. I mean, like this uh, Kansas City Bills game that was today, right, that everyone thought was going to be a shootout, and it was a pretty low-scoring game right at the end. So maybe is this just something where it kind of gets turns into more like a real physical grudge match as it goes, and then it just kind of comes down late. Um, I just first, I got this weird feeling that the Grizz can do this. I don't have it based in a whole bunch of, like, facts. Maybe it's just rainbows and sunshine and puppies but i think we can do this i know we can do this all right i hope you guys are right i want you guys to be right my night will be better you don't have to pick it kyle but what do you think about this game i as with every game this year think it kind of hinges on how lucas johnson plays because basically like we were talking about the offense looks so similar to last year right if he plays poorly, they're probably going to lose this game. If he plays Absolutely. well, there's a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, we all know the defense is going to play well. I mean, Sacramento State's got a great offense. They proved that last year against this Grizz defense. I still think Montana will cause problems for them. Um, however, I think it's just what, what offense is going to show up at SAC. And that just feels like the defining question for pretty much every game. Because we saw moments of this earlier in the year. Like, I, I think, you know, South Dakota – I don't know if they had a first down in the third quarter against South Dakota. You know what I mean? Earlier this year. So, like, there's been stretches against some of these teams. They've beaten handily where the offenses look like this. To go back to what we were talking about, Idaho State, like, you know, what that game kind of looked like. Um, So, I, like I said, I, it wouldn't shock me one bit if they rebounded and responded similar they did last year. Go in, win, momentum. But what offense will show up and what changes will be made to correct that. Because I don't think the, the players getting up, I, think, I don't think it's going to be the issue. It's just going to be a matter of executing because this loss from Idaho felt like the Grizz just made a lot of mistakes, yeah. you know, and Idaho was able to capitalize. So because there was the penalties, the turnovers, like, yeah, if they go in and throw three picks – you know, they've proved that the two games they've thrown multi- or had multiple turnovers that things aren't good. So, you know, who knows? But it, it's Sacks defense, I think, is a huge question mark in the same regard. And how are they gonna how are they gonna show up? So You know who Sack had a hell of a game with last year? Rob Fennessy's coached Idaho State team. <laughs> Beat him by two. Fenn's got the magic. God, you guys are getting me like <laughs> Well, they have a guy. After just getting thrown to. What? They have a guy. <laughs> they got a guy. You need a, they a guy. got a they guy. system, actually. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I just, what if your system you know is what? to throw it to a guy? <laughs> At least 
I'm the one who will say things, you know, give a little spice on this podcast. It'd be pretty boring if we all just put our grizz cutter glasses on, drink the Kool-Aid, and, you know. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> we appreciate you, Mike. You're welcome, says Mike Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I was getting ready to look at this UFC 280 poster and start slapping your guys' faces on it. That. I was getting pretty good there for a minute. <laughs> like it. Um, let's fly through these. Fly questions. through the questions. We're at two hours, 23 minutes. Ooh, um, let's go. <laughs> let's go. So, Love first it. question, is Sean O'Malley going to win at UFC 280? A two-hour... And 30 minute podcast is called the Kyle Hansen Game Plan. Yes. Out, so I'm glad we're executing it. Anyway, uh, is Sean O'Malley going to win? Sure. Okay. Mon- Montana is Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Montana is Sean O'Malley. Sure. Is he, sure. Like, is he, he the headliner? I'm not, I'm not a UFC guy. so I... He's on the main card, he, okay. but he's fighting the number one contender in his weight class. But because it's Sean O'Malley, I think something weird is going to happen. Okay. If he, if he wins. I think he's going to be maybe the biggest star in the UFC. Gotcha. Ooh. Which is crazy for a guy from Helena. <laughs> wow. So that is that is crazy. Yeah. So hey, Abu Dhabi, eight o'clock, eight a.m. is when this card starts. So if you guys are really looking for something to do, <laughs> waiting for the sat game because that's what I'll be doing. Oh you God. know, because we've got six years before the game See, kicks off. So <laughs> the press box at eight a.m. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting at a Denny's in Sacramento watching fights <laughs> yeah. like a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's what that that sad game. That's gonna be like one in the morning or some. Crazy. Oh yeah, it's 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 identical to last year's Eastern game. Yeah, because last year's Eastern game was a nine mountain kickoff as well. Oh, you know, God. I think we did the press conference at twelve thirty mountain, and I shot standups on the field at Cheney at one in the morning mountain, and then had to go back to my hotel and cut stuff for the website Sweet. and the next day's broadcast. So, all right. Um, we got a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions that are kind of filled with a lot of anger coming off the Idaho game. So there's some stuff. I'm going to just kind of skip. I do appreciate some people wanting us to uh, guess about who's going to put their name in the portal and leave the team oh, and stuff God. like that. Do you guys really want to cover? I, I, I think there's a lot of just that's still Holy kind of knee-jerk crap. reaction of like, who leaves? Who's quitting? Who's going to be gone? See, Luke, you could get a lot worse than me as a friend. So that's uh, yeah. So I <laughs> that's think why I'm not on e. <laughs> I was gonna say like I mean I could, I could appreciate I mean right like there's probably a bigger discussion. Will will some guys leave? Will some things happen? For that's sure. True but, for every team but could, I I doubt this one Idaho loss no. or just the moment is is like this catalyst that's gonna cause the team to fall apart no, or something like players, that. So. No, players are a lot tougher to yep. handle some adversity than you are. And they didn't lose to Cal Poly, and the season still has a lot of life. Yeah. Because if they win every game, they're a seed. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's that, and that's like the thing. Like I tweeted at this at someone. They're like, "Give us some good news." It's like if the Grizz win out, which is a going to be a massively tall test. But if they win out, that's a five game winning streak with three wins against teams that will presumably be top ten teams. Mm-hmm. With one loss to Idaho, who, if say they went out, say they just lose to Sac and win everything, they're going to finish as a top fifteen, top ten team. And in that scenario. I think would be the conference champion because they beat us, we beat Sack, whatever. Um, we'd probably have a higher seed than them, which would be silly because they Idaho had beaten us. But the Grizz would probably be – you could be in line oh, for the a top full, four seed. It's the full yeah. schedule. Like if they, yeah. yeah they, so like I think you guys had tweeted this where it was like if they ran this gauntlet, yeah. it's a top you're, – you're a one or a two going into the postseason. Yeah. But – 
you that's still kind of achievable. A top four seed, I think, if they run the schedules, if they're ten and one, totally. if they're ten and one, their losses to playoff ranked Idaho, which yeah. is a possibility, and right. wins against three other presumed nine and two, schools. and win two of these next three games. I think you're still you seeing. sneak into seed. I yeah. think you're like a six seven. Yeah, type. for sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is you know not a, a with this Grizz team, I, a, it's not as detrimental as it was last year when you're matched up against James Madison. Right, and I think you know, yeah. And, you know, Craig Haley thinks Holy Cross and Mercer are God's gift to the FCS, but it's like I think it seems like most people definitely recognize that the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley narratives. Craig Haley's. <laughs> uh, okay, so Team Ten asks, "What's more likely to happen in the next two weeks: two and zero, one and one, or zero and two? I actually think one and one's a reasonable yeah. expectation. Yeah. What do you think, Luke? You guys always do this. Yeah, thing. I yeah. start to get more optimistic. I think just... I think one and one is reasonable. I think I think we could be two and zero though. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. So, oh, sorry, me. Uh. I I agree. Kind of. I I I think. I think that Weber game is tougher than the Sack game. Um. You're not the first person I've heard say that. And I mean, just defensively, I think that's it's just going to be a harder game for the Grizz offense to keep up or, 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 or make this that type of scenario. And that's just another one where we've had a hell of a time playing there and we'll be coming right off the sack game, late travel back in, have to go there. Um nah, I think one on one it seems to be the most likely. Yeah. What do you like same thing. I mean I th- I think one on one feels like the most possible from like a positive perspective for the Grizz they could I mean 2-0 for sure like the Weaver game seemed like it was going to be a tough game and then the season started and Weaver has shown that they've kind of lived up to it all again and that last year was kind of fluky mm-hmm. um, I don't know like all three possibilities are a thing I think you know I, I still think if you come out of that one and one you're looking pretty good I agree you know so because especially if it's like that loss is Weaver you know because then Weaver could if you, have, theory if you come out of that one and one you take care of business at home and then you've got to toss up Grizz Gackett yeah, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna kind of uh, condense empty Grizz rules question here. Basically, just uh, what circumstances do we give either Chris Brown or Kenny Britt some more opportunities? What does that look like, and and, and what type of? <laughs> I would just I would just like to say that we have we're two hours plus into a pod where the Grizzly offense really struggled. Following up another game where the Grizzly offense kind of struggled, and I didn't once call for the backup QB. So I want that to be put on the record. Fair. Okay? <laughs> Acknowledge that. All right. That being said, if this continues, give the damn team to Kenny Britt. Yeah. You got Daniel, that, Kenny? Isn't yeah, Daniel? I call it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was waiting for Britt to correct me because this happens on. every time yeah. we talk about Britt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, hypothetical, Mike. We lose to Sack. We lose to Weber. If we lose to Sack and we lose to Weber, I absolutely start playing with Britt. You don't think, uh, you know, if we lose to Sack and lose to Weber and win out, meaning we beat MSU. But my question would be: Do we go to the playoffs? If we, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but are we better off for the long term of the program if we've got Britt with Q, with playoff experience and Cat Grizz start and you play then if if we have a chance to go to the playoffs don't you play the player who gives you the most but what I'm chance to what, win what my argument would be is like if we lose the next two games 
is that player Johnson? At this moment, probably. At this moment, I believe it. Yeah. If we lose two more games, yeah. who knows? It depends on the type of loss, too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we lose to Sack, but Johnson runs for 75, passes for 250, and has just like four total touchdowns to one pick. Like, All I know is, is um, uh, McCoy is a redshirt freshman, same age as Britt. It's doable. We don't do it here because, you know, that's just the way college football is supposed to work. But other places do. My kid's a short leash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long in the, leash. In another, in the parallel university, he has many kids who are trying really hard to please him. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, lots of questions. I think we kind of touched on this stuff with, like, Lucas Johnson and things like this. I, I don't know if we really need to talk too much more on him. What do you guys think? I would, it would be awesome if Lucas Johnson had a bounce back game, and he should because yeah. he's better than he's been the last two weeks. So that's why I made the point of saying, like, in all of our game analysis, I did not call for him to be bad just because right. I think that's a really overdramatic take on what's going on right now. So one observation here, wondering if um, him being benched in the Idaho State game has maybe screwed him up a little bit. Made him I mean, afraid was, to make mistakes. He was benched with air quotes because they knew they weren't going to lose. Like, yeah. Idaho State didn't have enough time to score three times. Yeah. Uh, question here: Should Junior you, you Bergen? keep forgetting to let our guests? No, no, you're totally good. I'm I just, like, I, I, I want to touch on this the quarterback thing just a little bit. I to yeah. just answer. I even if they lose the next two games, I think you roll with Johnson. And just because, like, I think if you're five and three, you went out. Beat the cats. You're eight and three. Yeah. Say you're not a say you're not a seed, but you're still playing the first round. I like the Grizz chance against a lot of these other teams oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's you, true. You don't get the buy. So I think you're still playing for something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like even if you're like like we were just saying, if you're a, it, like the eight seed or just on the outside looking in, if you go to one of these like Holy Crosses or Mercers who or Villanova, yeah. who knows a seed. You know what I mean? Like I I think Montana wins those games. I think you're right too. And yeah. so like that's where I'm like you're still playing for something. You're not where you want to be. It's a little extra work, but you're not also not like hypothetically not getting matched up against some of these games that you would lose, you know. And also, like I think the coaching staff has also shown that if they play the same team twice in one year, they can they usually take your business. Correct. Yeah. 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 And I agree. I agree with that. And what, what's strange is like I am less confident about sack this week than I am about the Grizz ability to go and win a road playoff game because I think they're talented. Right. And we don't really win a lot of road playoff games, so it's a really weird yeah. kind of yeah, 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 dynamic. Yeah. But it's like I feel like whatever's going on is temporary, which is why I, I don't think that Johnson's going to play bad the next two weeks, win or lose. And to no. your point, like if if they lose both games, but he has played well, and then you can come home, win two, Cackers is toss up. Yeah, right. You know, like some of these other top teams, like you know these Southern conferences or whatever, like it, you go to a. Southeast Louisiana, or I don't, I, I'm just spitting all the yeah, sure. Like, yeah. say they're like a seed. Like, I still like, you know, Montana, I don't think wouldn't dislike that match. Wouldn't like the road trip because you want to play at home in front of your fans, but I still think they could do damage. With you. Yep. Multiple questions of Junior Bergen should be at running back. I don't think our inability to run is Junior Bergen not being a running back. I think that our, I think our O line is struggling to open up holes, and we just haven't been in a position to, to, to do it well but we actually ran well in the Idaho State game yeah so. and that's uh, the spinoff too is like what's going on with the O-line but it's just yeah I don't I don't think Junior Bergen should be running back I think Junior Bergen's best position is what he's doing right now absolutely this hybrid where sometimes he's in the backfield sometimes he's in the slot because he's a weapon you need to move him around just get him ball in space yeah 
That's and slot feels like it gives him more of a chance to do that. Yeah, and he's not a huge guy, but neither is Harris, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, um, I mean, the question here, like, if you were a sought after O line recruit, would you come here knowing that the O line's not been that great here for years? I mean, well, my argument would be, yeah, because you might have a chance to come in and play early. <laughs> Got two red. Shirt freshman, or I guess uh, Casey's a sophomore technically. Yeah. So two second. I mean, players. Liam Brown. Talking about like Liam Brown guys who I think can be freshman. really good as they get a lot of playing time. Right. Yeah. And we have excellent academics. That we do. <laughs> Says the guy who does some academic advice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this segment brought to you by. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. Why did yesterday happen? Coaching or players not playing well? Choose one. <laughs> Idaho scored more points than the Bruins. Idaho scored more That's what happened. Coaching. I mean, <laughs> how do you choose one of that? It was a complete. It was because a complete it's like the players have to. Players have to make plays and have to execute. And Bobby Houck didn't drop drop passes, but there was also some coaching. I mean, Eck even said it in the post game, like on the on the onside kick. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and Bobby said. They got out-coached. out-coached. yeah. Which is what he should say in that. You know, gets up there and is like, the goddamn players blew this game. We had a great game plan. They just didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy wouldn't last. Uh, we, we might have had him at the last. <laughs> um, comment, observation here that Hauk has, you know, dislike of night games and two of the next three are that. Uh, foresee any sort of adjustment in preparation or anything. I mean, I don't, know. I don't know if we do or not, but I would say it's time to get over that. Like, this is going back to the whole bigger picture yeah. of, like, this is college football. And college football, sometimes you have to deal with TV contracts and big, the Big Sky Conference getting games on ESPN is a big deal. And college football, you play night games. You don't have to every day. You don't have to every week. But you play night games. Yeah. And, you know, fans like night games. We like night games. Like they're fun. It, it, they're fun. You, we should have all of them, but it's like we some of the stuff we got to get over. Yeah, I agree. Is Junior Bergen the best offensive player on the team, and why don't the coaches call plays to set him up? <laughs> Who? So has there's this question? system. Uh, oh <laughs> man! <laughs> someone with six posts away, on egress. <laughs> Who asked that? Uh, someone with six whole posts on egress. <laughs> Crew Jones. 33. Crew Jones, that's a great question. Yeah. You should call into Bobby's radio show. Come by QB Club tomorrow night and ask him. Oh, my God. GoGrizz.com slash QB Club. Please do. <laughs> please please go ask him. If you ask him, we will crowdsource your, your fund. Your, uh... You will be getting a refund. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everett, so fund me on the refund. Everett had those questions, and so he's asking me if this is like the worst sport weekend ever with Grizz, Packers, and as a Mariners fan, watching them be eliminated. Mike, same question for you. Of course, he posted this at 6 p.m. We're the Yankees. I mean, you know. the if the Yankees had been eliminated, it might have been the worst sports weekend. Yeah. And cumulatively. Everett points out he's a Chiefs fan and a Mariner fan. So, I mean, I mean like, there have been losses too. that hurt more, like those national championships. Like, I was at the Richmond national championship game, you know, I mean, that sucked. So, I don't know. But, uh, um, yeah, the sun came up today. I, I mean, it is, it is kind of funny, like, just like. Guy. Chalk talking trying to figure that out. Wait, so like the amount of people on social media where it's like all my teams lost this weekend, like it's just like it seemed to really pile onto like a whole bunch of 
I don't know. Sometimes weekends are that way, right? Yep. Uh, Everett makes an observation I don't think we'd seen yet. I, th- I thought we might have been tweeted at this spot as well, but uh, did Johnson's game remind anyone of Sneed's last game in the Weber playoff game? It's Their parallels are interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit, not completely, but I hope not. Yeah. Sneed threw five picks in that game? Yeah. I don't know. What a weird game. We, really we were there. Yeah. We yeah. were there. Is Sacker Weaver better? We'll let you know in two weeks. Right? Feels like Weaver, right? I mean, kind of. For some reason, I'm more scared of Weaver's defense, and that is what scares me in a team more. So, I guess. But I'm I'm worried about both of them. So yeah. I'll point out that uh, the tweet that I put from the Grizz Fan Pod, I said uh, hot takes because I was driving. So I did voice to text because I'm a safe driver, right? And uh, it auto-corrected it to hot picks. And so I was wondering why Taylor Kellenberg uh, tweeted a gif of Chris Farley taking his shirt off. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this up doing anything? And then I go back and I was like, oh, auto-correct. <laughs> so I said, send us all of your hot picks. Oh my God. Oddly, the DMs were empty, though. So, um, Brandon Boots with the firm. Mike, you ready for KB12 or Brit? See? Yet? No. I'm a Johnson guy still. All right. Um, Mike Moe wants us to repick the remaining games. Oh, I, saw that. I can't do it right now. Yeah. Like, I, I really need to see, like, this weekend, right? This, yeah, I need to see how win, they win, respond. Win, 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 Ooh. Oof. He goes 5-0. I like it. You've, you've, you've done this to me before. We're not doing it, but I like it. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two. Seems like the realistic. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay, David Coy. After Tennessee beat Alabama, crowd stormed the field, tore down the goalposts, and escorted them out of the stadium. What is the rowdiest celebration after a win that you have been a part of? I mean, I've been to Washington Grizzly Stadium when they've torn down yeah, that I mean, goalpost. I've never stormed the field at Washington Grizzly Stadium, so I really can't. Uh... <sighs> you know, honestly, probably, um, when I was a freshman in high school, I went to Sentinel, and, you know, this may be the golden era of Sentinel High School football. My era, not quite so much. Um, and they won the first game of the year, and so we were freshmen, you know, and, and I forget who they played, and they had been, they'd been terrible for years and years and years. And everybody storms the field, and, like, all the student sections in the player huddle. Um, and one of the assistant coaches, like, this booing voice tells everybody to get down, and, like, they do all this stuff, but... That might be the closest thing to like rowdy post game, because it was just like this whole euphoria of like, oh my god, we've been terrible forever, sort of thing. Yeah. But I mean, I've never stormed the field with the Grizz, so I don't, I don't really have a comparison. Yeah. I mean, I've I've gone down on the field plenty. Uh, I've gone down to the field uh, after games and stuff previously, like big playoff wins and and things like that. But I don't know. I mean. I went down for App State. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was fun. Yeah. I was really drunk. I was with, I was with Shane Clark. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Shane, living his life as a dad. I don't think his kids are old enough to listen to this, but um, we, had we, had a, we had a really rowdy young. night. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? It's not a, it wasn't a celebration, but um, my first year at Arizona, Arizona lost to Wisconsin by a point in overtime in the elite eight 
and there were riots in Tucson Ooh. on oh. University <clears throat> Boulevard because everybody. I mean, that year Arizona probably had the best basketball team in the country and just blew it. They had a late injury in the season. So the year Wisconsin <clears throat> then also beat Kentucky and got to the Final Four. Uh, they had that big it was the year they got center. to the Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, Kaminsky. Bastard. Yeah. Him and Sam Decker both. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. The worst. Uh, no, so it, it, so, so it, it was it was back-to-back years that they played Wisconsin <laughs> in the Elite Eight, so that was awful. Um, the first year, Wisconsin beat him by a point in overtime. Arizona misses a shot at the buzzer, uh, Nick Johnson, and they I lose in the Final Four to, I think, UConn. And UConn goes on to win a national championship. Okay. The second time, uh, Wisconsin boat raced them in the Elite Eight. They killed Arizona and then went on to play Duke in the national championship, which is my second year of oh, my yeah. junior year technically at Arizona. But the riots in Tucson on University Boulevard, uh, they were just drunk students yeah. went out and like tore down some signs and you know police got called and whatever. So there's all these like cops in like riot gear and whatnot. <laughs> and then I mean I don't know how it works, but like just at some point like the cops are like we just have to clear the street. So they just start moving forward and like getting people out of there but they start shooting those like pellets that are like gas like oh. not like not like tear gas or whatever mm-hmm. it is but they're I think they're almost like pepper spray like pellets mm-hmm. this is 20 years old so I was my friends and I we were like we weren't we didn't go participate we went and watched these dipshits right. out yeah. <laughs> and you know there's no other way to call them but like yeah. out in the middle of I mean but we like watch like kids get like tackled left and right by cops and it was crazy like cause <laughs> um so that was probably, like, wasn't involved, but, like, was watching. But I remember, like, we were, like, close enough to where, like, when they started shooting the pepper spray balls, like, we were, like, coughing. And we were, like, okay, now we need Let's to, like, go. yeah, <laughs> like, you know. But we were just, like, wow, this is, like, especially as a journalism student, I was just kind of, like, well, what if I ever had to cover something like this, right. you know? Because, I mean, it was, if I don't remember correctly, it was on CNN, oh, you know, talking about it. Like, oh, they because, I, I mean, people were tearing down signs. I think a car got flipped. Um, Sports fans are weird. Oh yeah, it Can't was be. it was so bizarre. I watched a guy who I played ultimate frisbee with on the club team ride his bike and just run a kid over, <laughs> just to Perfect. get through it all. Oh, my God. It was awesome, <laughs> but it was uh, so probably that. I mean, just like I said, was kind of watching from afar. But like, I mean, we watched a few kids get like blown up by uh, cops. Like wow. it was. You know, kids posting like on Twitter the next day, like they got hit by these pellets and there's yeah. bruises all over their oh, torso. Yeah. I'm like, well leave <laughs> i mean like it was it was it was pretty crazy and then the next year when they got killed by wisconsin like the police presence on Ready. university boulevard yeah. there were so many but it was because i was actually there actually covering it this time okay and uh it was just like calm because they got killed so everybody was like oh well this sucks yeah. so like i have like a bunch of photos i took of like students like talking to cut like oh like me and luke right here were just like man so that blew. Like, <laughs> Cops so, are like, yeah, we yeah, were ready. Yeah, and this just yeah. sucks. And, and yeah. Imagine like people fighting, man. Like, could you, who would do that? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like stuff like that. You're like listening to these like kids. Those guys last year were a bunch yeah. of losers. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> unsophisticated fools. Like, so it was, it was, that was pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers, Hail Mary against Detroit. I was at a bachelor party and I oh. jumped fully clothed into a pool. Um, just screaming, yelling, running through the house, and just jumped right out and was in the pool. Uh, yeah, so maybe that was. It wasn't like I wasn't a group celebration. It was just me. I My buddies were happy for me, but you know, I wasn't. It wasn't rowdy, rowdy. But James and I were in Boise for the last Grizz basketball yeah. big conference. That was a lot of fun, you know, because we yeah. went down on the court and great got great pictures with Monty and James and great atmosphere. Everyone's hugging each other and just yeah. yeah. All right. 
Luke's uh, smiling. He's thinking about it. The Richard Rogers touchdown. What do you? You can't share it. Luke's are like and not stream cut right before the throw. Oh no! I was in college because no. I remember I was streaming it and then just cut like as Rogers like snapped it and yeah. then like reconnected the stream and they're like, oh, that was sick. Hail Mary! Oh, I was God. like, oh, cool, yeah, great. <laughs> um, I think Luke's is not was, safe for pod. No, I was gonna just make fun about make fun of you for being such a bandwagon jumper with the Yankees that you don't get excited anymore when they win. But my Yankee fandom is inherited, <laughs> and I will tell you what: like, it is an underappreciated burden to bear being a fan of a team that is expected to win every year and seems to never do it anymore. Because <laughs> you set your expectations high every year. It's kind of like being a Grizz fan, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I just hate that I'm going to have to maybe cheer for the Yankees. I know. this is ALCS. The fact that there is a team that the Yankees can play that people hate that team more than the Yankees. That's weird. It's great. Weird. It's, really it's, weird. it's not something mm-hmm. I've really ever experienced before. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, up with Montana is just wanting us to, you know, possibility of seeds, stuff like that. We've talked about okay. that. Uh, Too early. We just got to take care of business each week. Just let yeah. that stuff work itself out. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff that we've kind of touched already. Um, just uh, Justin Martico uh, brings up kind of the point you talked about, Mike, where it kind of feels like we're in that same lull offensively yeah, that the Grizz were at. And is that like a? Is this like an identity issue with this team, or? See, like, there are people out there that understand the points I'm trying to make. This is all Mike's burners, isn't it? Kyle here is just being too nice to you. I, I got a text from Johnny Metropolis about our identity too. So <laughs> he like called us out on Twitter for being like Fairweather fans. Like, what the hell, man? We do a podcast every week for multiple hours for free. It's like a lot of time. Yeah, like I don't, <laughs> every you, week, regardless. You can call us a lot of things, but I mean, I don't think Fairweather is one of them. Did you say Justin Martinko wrote that in? Yeah. Shout out, former K-Pax employee. Yeah. Uh, uh, Johnny Metropolis. Uh, since the coaches won't seem to want to adjust, he'll do it for us. What's more likely, 100 rushing yards by Grizz running backs or the Grizz defense keeps sacks offense under 425 total yards? The latter. Yeah, I'd say so. You think that keeping the sack under 420 is more, more probable than, than Grizz rushing, for running backs rushing for more than 100? Combined or one individual one? 100 yeah. yards by Grizz running backs. I think that the 100 yards by Grizz running backs is more probable. Well, it was, it was sorry, can you repeat that? I... Either uh, Which is more likely to happen, 100 yards by Grizz running backs or the Grizz defense keeps sacks entire offense under 425? I think I would agree with the running back thing because, like, like is Sacks' offense comparable to Eastern last year as far as like the top offense in the league? They're different offenses, but you know what I mean. Like yep. in terms of like they're like you can only keep a lid on them for so long, right? Because yeah. like I think didn't Eastern get five hundred plus in both times they played the Grizz? They did. So it feels like Sack and Troy Taylor just you know the success he's had. It's kind of hard to bet against that element. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, interesting hypothetical. I don't know how we could play this out, but the Grizzden asks, rewind it December 2014. If Bobby Houck is hired at that point instead of Bob Stitt, where does Grizz football look like in Bobby's eighth year? <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. I mean, like, you'd like to say three years ahead of where they are now, but I mean, it's like, this is his program. All these kids are recruited by him. Like, this is his team. So, you know, like this would kind of be my answer. Like, at some point, we are who we are. 
Yeah. Yet, I don't know. I mean, there'd be some people, there'd be <clears throat> this coaching staff, the assistants would look totally different. Yeah. Because many of them would still be gainfully employed somewhere else, you know, and so yeah. how would that shake up things or not? Yeah. I don't know. No clue? All right. Uh, let's see. Ask us that question after the season's over. Right. Um, Jonathan Claxton just pointing out, um, you know, rely. do we have to have either a defensive or a special teams touchdown to win a close game? Uh, we've come close three times, but it seemed like we are just tripping over yard lines. Maybe just pointing out that does it feel like you could maybe rely on defense or special teams to produce a crucial point? In the offense I was actually point. thinking that during the Idaho game. Like, it felt like we uh, needed that, and that was the only way we were going to win. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, John Thomas uh, is curious with a uh, two-part question. I think we've talked plenty on Lucas Johnson, but he's wondering if I am more panicked about the Grizz or the Packers. I think the Packers are in massive trouble, and I think the Grizz still have a lot in front of them. So, Which do you care more about? Oh, the Grizz. Yeah, I was going to say, like, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. panicked about the Niners in that this is just going to be who we are all season, 500, up and down. The Grizz, when I just it, care more about. Yeah, when it same. comes to the Packers, I think, Brent, it's like, you know in a movie when a character's been, like, shot in the gut and they still have, like, three minutes to live and so they, they have, like, some final speech to give, you know, on it's looking camera? pretty bleak. <laughs> That's where the Packers are with Brent. Like he's he's very aware he's going to die. <laughs> the see, you know, like follow the analogy, please. Brent isn't going to die, <laughs> but the season is over. It's dead. It's just minutes away from from ending, and and but you're still alive to say a couple things. That's where Brent's at right now with the, with the Packers. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so the Packers are Sean Bean is basically what you're saying they're going to die no matter what they're Sean Bean yeah. they, they will be dead yep um, it's tough tough scene <laughs> god that's that's a good reference um, Corey asks how badly do we miss Gavin Robertson I thought that was a fascinating question because I really haven't missed him because he's he played like a, a fourth linebacker yeah you know and now that linebacker is like Either Graves or Fouch in many situations, right? Because right. um, did Robertson do much in terms of coverage? He he did a lot in terms of just laying the wood on right. receivers yeah. coming across the middle. And also, which Gavin? Because 2021 Gavin dealt with sickness and injury, whereas right. 2019 he was kind of a different... I mean, he got better as the year went on. For sure. For but, sure. you know, he went through some stuff that was kind of hindering. Inter- yeah, interesting. I think I'm not sure. I mean, Gavin was a good player, but like, what's the percent step down? Yeah, is it? Is it? Like, it might be within the air bars, so it's hard yeah. to say. Like, it'd be great to have him back there, but like that just hasn't even crossed my mind as one of our issues yet this year. The the defense, the concerns we've brought up defensively existed last year when Gavin was out there too. Yeah, right. So. So he had the, maybe you missed that worry of receivers that like oh I could get just lit up yeah <laughs> yeah know? but but we that's all speculative right for sure so. yeah absolutely uh, okay Nick Larkin points out uh, November nineteen ninety nine was the last time Idaho beat Montana 
what were we all doing November of 99? And Johnny Claxton replies that he was playing Goldeneye to get over his heartache. Re-releasing Goldeneye pretty soon here, too. I was a freshman in high school. So, so were you. Yeah. November. How old were you, Kyle? What were you doing? <laughs> I was six. <laughs> and I just started kindergarten. So I was just learning that you were talking, school blows. Talking earlier about out here. you were covering guys who are now getting married. And here we are hanging out with you. <laughs> what were you saying, Luke? Oh, man, I'm just trying to remember. Football would have been over. Um, you know, like basketball was just getting started. I was about a month away from attempting to buy a, an, a 30 rack of Keystone Light. <laughs> oh, perfect. I've probably told this story before. I mean, we don't need to go into the, My father learned a great story about Luke growing up um, buying, trying, getting caught buying Keystone Light and Shelby. And my dad and the Shelby mayor sat on some committee together or some whatever. And he heard this story and for years, probably a decade, whenever he saw Luke, he's like, Keystone! I mean, <laughs> it's a coin flip on whether he'd call me Keystone. He, he, yeah, he might. There's a couple people who still do, and your yeah. dad's among them. But yeah, I was really close. That was like, I'm coming up on that time period of my life where, uh, and, and actually I had a, I had a Missoula accomplice. So if any of you guys get your... Uh, your teeth cleaned by Dr. Kyle Growski. He drove me to the gas station. Whoa, we are thrown down. <laughs> but I didn't flip on him at the time. You didn't flip on him. <laughs> oh, that's uh, November 99. I was dating Courtney by that time. And I was just getting ready to drop out of school. I was a sophomore in college. That's true, because you dropped out, then you went back and finished like a decade again. Yep, I was just getting into real estate, because it was, it was what I was doing. Uh, okay, Tom Kuglin, uh how about something positive? Is the Junior Bergen catch uh, the best you've seen in Washington Grizzly? Are there any others that come to mind? Gerard Poor uh, replied, talking about Jamin Sambrano's in Appalachian State 2009. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I just, you get, it gets dangerous to try and make statements like that, I think, because it's like there have been a lot of cool things that have happened in Washington Grizz. Ryan Bagley had a pretty wild one in an Eastern Washington game where Colbert was. Absolutely overthrew him, and he just completely sold all the way out to get it and preserved a, you know, Grizz kick field goal, win the game. Huh? 08, 07, somewhere around there. Yeah. I think of that Ben Roberts touchdown against North Dakota State, too. Oh, it goes yeah. up over the guy. Like, not like, the, like, I just, the way he adjusted, for yeah. some reason, just, and also, B. Fur was in the photo, which is hilarious. Too. Was he? So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, if you look, you see him in the back chair. Oh, so. That is awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and you get bonus points for like important moments, and this was a right. you know mid-season Idaho conference game. Yeah, but it was an awesome catch. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, Sports Center. We've been saying it since. Was it Sports Center? I think it was top Jesus. number one play on Sports Center today. I right? think it was. Or, Sports Center yeah. is just they have really been pumping up Montana. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, we said it last year too. I'm, I am glad that Junior Bergen is on our team. Oh, yeah. And that was one that Bobby flipped from the Cats to the Grizz. There you go. One of our buddies said, "Get that man another Jeep." <laughs> <laughs> hey, NIL, perfectly legal. Yep. <laughs> uh, Eric Witz sent us a photo just talking about uh, empty seats in the mid-second quarter being a sellout. What's our take? I, I don't know. <sighs> 
It's of the west side, which I sit on. So, because like from my vantage from the west, looking to the south, east, and north, it was packed. Can you? Can I say that there's in doing this pod, like there's something that I have grown to care. There is not something I've grown to care less about than attendance. Like we talk about it sometimes, but it's loud. I was on this. I was on the field for the kickoff. First time I've ever been down on the field for like the team coming out of the tunnel and kickoff and oh my god it's loud like you think it's loud in the stadium like holy cow another level like jet decibel so there are some empty seats whatever like people were late coming in from tailgates whatever also sellouts and day games are weird right because like sellouts at night games, it you, you feel it a little bit differently. Yep. And yeah. it, it it stays itself. Sellouts and day games, you kind of wonder like, you know, it, it was loud. Yeah. So what does it matter yeah. that there's a couple seats that you know people didn't come back for the rest of the game? Yeah. But I mean, I that, I will say people came back in from halftime pretty well. It's the second, at least the second game this season where the five minute cannon, you couldn't even hear it. Like I barely heard it in the stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like if that they got to figure that out if they want to get people back in. But whatever. All right. We've got a lot more questions, and we're about hitting three hours here, so I'm going to just recognize a handful of people here. Donovan, we'll get at you later. Are there are any of them uh, questions I'm, we haven't answered? Or are you yeah, just... there, there's a handful. There's a few more questions on Grizz offensive identity. Um, Silvertip Nation. Are you, like, cutting questions right now? Do you want me to go through these other eight questions that we have? I mean, we've never cut questions before. I don't have. Okay. monsters. You're not getting tired, maybe, are you? Maybe we should. I was going to say. I'm going to cut one. Okay. We should <laughs> we'll get to Donovan. Go around and just say one As person teams. answers. Okay. Yeah. Just, so just Donovan has a good one here. So uh, coming off this loss, do our upcoming opponents, like, will it be as emotionally charged of a game for, like, Sack and Weaver since the Grizz aren't undefeated number point. three I, in the country. So it, it could yeah. give those teams a little bit of like a, oh they're they're not as good as they think they are confidence. That's a good question. We're getting nods. Yeah, all speculative, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh let's see. And then he's also just asking how this defense prepares for sack. Um I think we kinda hit on that. Like it's I think the defense just needs to do what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Use the system, Kyle. Use the system. Use the system. Hey, you don't want to talk about systems, not me. <laughs> Right, Luke. <laughs> throw to a dude. That's my Madden strategy. Uh, Jeff Litvin talking about offensive identity, uh, kind of talking on the same points that we've talked about, playing points here. Um, do we see the same? I think we do. Silvertip Nation, uh, only one question because I'm sad. If you had to choose to be transformed into <laughs> one thing for the next year of your life, what would it be? One, a Smurf. Two, a Keebler elf, or three, a Santa elf. I forget like, what what do Smurfs do? They don't do anything. So Smurf sounds great because oh. the other two just work all day. I was gonna say, do Keebler elves work? Yeah, they bake cookies in the tree. Yeah, but they get, <laughs> do they get to eat? Cookies? They get to eat cookies. They're they just swim pack- in the fudge thing? Are they just packaging them for Nabisco like little <laughs> <laughs> like house elf slaves? Yeah, apparently. <sighs> then a Smurf. Santa's Smurf, Santa's yeah. elf for me. Are the Keeler elves or are the Santa elves unionized? Do they no, well they will be after I get done with it. <laughs> the problem with the Santa elves. Pro union <laughs> the, the, the Santa elves don't get any attention. It's all like the, the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. 
lot of behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Union strong. Player. We're coming for you guys. <laughs> real, real team players. John Carpenter is wondering if I'm okay. Yes, I'm okay. Grizz Mariners and Packers. Actually, this is this is Brent's flu game of a pod. It's my flu I know. Game of a pod, yeah. yeah. Brent tried to tell us this morning. That I was, he was I was sick, 50, 50 and then we weren't having any of it. Three hours later, you guys hear me mute the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you're sick. He just didn't want to have to deal with the hot takes of this game. No, God. Okay. Uh, everybody's favorite Idaho Twitter handle at rack of tits sixty nine asks us: <laughs> Is Montana overrated? Do you think the coaching staff of Montana didn't take Idaho seriously? I mean, yes, apparently Montana was overrated going into that game. We'll see how the season plays out. And, yeah, I do think they didn't take him seriously enough. It seemed, uh, yeah. yeah, we opened yeah. the pod with that yeah. three hours ago. Cartridge yeah. Rack tits, yes. <laughs> <laughs> God. Rack of tits 69 uh, definitely has a lot of Idaho hot takes and uh, opinions. And yeah, I don't think the Tubbs people even know who it is, is but Brad's it's definitely her. No, this is apparently a really dedicated this, this is a Idaho very fan. They, and like, like they a do very the, upset that they moved down Idaho fan. So like mm. he's bent, he's like kind of negative. When they do their live streams, yeah. this person's in there. So uh, both Ashley Portnell and uh, Turkey Tom 406 basically just said, what the fuck? <laughs> As a question. So um, we agree. We agree. Yes, man. we were there. Uh, I think we had uh, some, yeah, and then a couple DM questions here from, uh, like, just don't understand play calling and worried about Lucas Johnson. I think we've hit those. Yeah, I think we've kind of Probably beat him to death. Um, Luke Rounds, friend of the pod, uh, submitted a late question. yeah. He wants to know, uh, for you, Kyle, so we gotta we got to oh, get man, this right. right. Um he wants to know what. Would I hang out with Luke on the Highland again? Yes. Awesome. That's good. It was sick. Well, he had a question. No, <laughs> well, I saw he's, this. He's so got sick. a question about. That was fun. Highland um, was good. Where'd it go? The first through a good wedding. That was a great wedding. That was a great wedding. Oh. Late question for Kyle Hansen. What is your favorite meal at Olive Garden? <laughs> and what is the best Olive Garden you have ever been to? Okay, I'm really glad someone did that because I was kind of <laughs> hoping that would like, that's my lasting mark on this planet is Olive Garden and Monster Energy. Um, it's just all you need Signature. in this world. <laughs> yeah. Can you get an NIL? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that they haven't sponsored me is a missed opportunity for them nerds. <laughs> so, not my problem. But, uh, my favorite meal at Olive Garden, um, I will probably say, just because it's simple and easy, is probably the cheese ravioli with marinara sauce right. and the Zuppa Toscana soup. Breadsticks with Alfredo boat for dipping sauce. That all sounds wonderful. I've been to an Olive Garden once in my life and whatever, but I really like pasta, so I could probably be very content there. The soup you just mentioned, though, I somehow came across a knockoff recipe, and I make it fairly often and it is delicious i think they sell right they sell like costco or i mean i've never they sell like costco that'd be easier than me making it from scratch oh so you actually make it okay. oh man got it okay yeah, and I, I nail it too like i wish my wife was still up but we're three hours into this pod so she's not <laughs> um delicious okay it's it, i mean it's a great suit like the base idea of it is is spectacular uh you need to go to olive garden more well, That's my first take from that. You know, I'll tell you. So are you okay? I, I, you might not know this. You're, I, no. You might not know this because, yeah. you know, you're in sports journalism, but I am on the city council. 
Right. And this comes up. <laughs> I pay attention to current events. <laughs> I'm just Mike. giving you a hard time. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, not like as often as you might think, but more than once I have heard from people during my time on council that they would like to see the city get an Olive Garden. And I'll tell you, a red, and lobster. A red lobster. And a red lobster. And the city has nothing to do with recruiting those types of businesses. <laughs> <laughs> and someone told me the reason we don't have one is liquor licenses. Now I've heard that too. Yeah. They're expensive as hell. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And there's cap, right? And that's the yeah. that's also the issue. Yeah. That's so. that's a whole interesting another pod conversation. But right. yeah, there's there's only so many in city limits and they're worth a lot of money. To do the oral history of why Missoula doesn't have an olive garden is what you're saying on the Chris Fan podcast. <laughs> Literally growing up it was like every time this building would start going to be like, Oh, this is it. This, this is the Olive is, Garden. The this is the Olive Garden, it's happening. <laughs> But speaking of ver- foods that people like get all excited about, the GSA tailgate serves Chick Fil A. What? Yeah, I was in the GSA tailgate this weekend for the first time this year. There are two big booths serving Chick Fil A. And Missoula's they- getting one. Right? Missoula's getting oh, one. Oh, maybe they're so like a promo. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Were you an orphan? What? Was I an orphan? What? No. no. My parents are very much alive. I didn't know. You know, we hadn't got that deep yet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shit. I can't wait Where's... for this Olive Garden. Hour three is amazing. <laughs> Where are you going with this? He loves the Olive Garden. Uh, fair enough. Because when he's there, he's family. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. God. That's a three hours in joke. I... Oh, man. It's very popular. Oh, no. <laughs> So many people ask different Olive Garden questions, and that's never been one of them. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how that came about is incredible. <laughs> Luke wants some layers to his job. So he's not a simple guy. <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> the puzzle that was created to come up with that, and now that it's complete, was... <laughs> um, yeah, it's okay. the best Olive Garden I've ever been to. Yeah. Oh, man, all of them. I've never been to Italy that's, except for every time I've been to Olive Garden. That's, oh my gosh. That's so, the good I thing. I can't handle this. <laughs> that's the good thing about Olive Garden. Oh, what, the truth, Mike? That's what I can handle? I'm sorry to hear that. So. <laughs> sounds like a you problem, man. So. What's, the, what's the Italian restaurant that's on Higgins? Ciao Mamba. Ciao. Ciao Mamba. How does that stack up? Oh, Olive Garden's better for sure. I thought so. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, like oh my god! Yeah. Billings has a Chow Mambo and an Olive Garden, so I have like both of them there. It's not even close. Interesting. <sighs> local, 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 local. <laughs> Agreed. That's why we need an Olive Garden, Missoula. Like, <laughs> local <laughs> so Olive Garden. Local. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. See, just look, make it happen. <laughs> Brent, look what we might have missed out on if you had you See, know, thrown that, through the questions. My fault. Yeah, yeah. throw it to wall. Uh, was there anything else hiding in the DMs? Or uh, I don't think so. I, I do recall. I think in the like at the end of the game, or maybe uh, that evening, we had a direct uh, reply at the GFP pointing out the only thing that made the ease the pain of the loss was some recommended Paradise Falls mozzarella timbers. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. So made, mm. made, helped ease made the flesh loss. In house. So, um, my brother Jim mentioned that. My father is now convinced that the Grizz will have at least three losses this year, and he's worried it might be accurate. He says, is it better to just face that reality head on or banish negative thinking and stay positive? Uh, I've always found denial is <laughs> useful. 
my therapist disagrees. <laughs> well, I'm glad you go to therapy. Don't be afraid yeah, of that. Yeah, no, no, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. You almost got a good health plan. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Kyle, anything else you want to add to this pod um, <laughs> for the three people who are still listening? Oh my God. I, I, I mean, I'm just happy Olive Garden made an appearance, really. That's <laughs> yeah. all that matters. So well, I'm, thanks. I'm, it took this long uh, road. No, I just appreciate you guys having me. This was a blast. This was hey, awesome. yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Man, thanks for coming on. I know uh, uh, we've had you on once before in, in the COVID years on Zoom, so it's nice to have you on in person. They're a lot more fun this way. We're, oh, yeah. we're glad to be back. Guys, anything else? Good. All right. If we know you, we will see you soon. If not, we'll see you right back here next week. Make sure to take a nap Saturday so you can stay up for the whole Grizz game. And, hell, if you're going to Sacramento, take a photo, tag us on Twitter. We'll share it. Yeah, absolutely. Got nothing else going on that night. That's right. All right. Go Grizz. Fight on.